Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. And it's uh, it's time for the long-awaited, much-anticipated return of Remember This Crap. Uh, even though we made it through... I'm sure we wanted to give everybody time to go through every season from 1980 to 2011. Is that where we stopped? Digest it Now that you've had time to go through all those, now it's time for a brand new batch of crap. Um, we're not committing to uh, doing every position, but today we are going to start with uh, great, I shouldn't even say that, because there aren't Exploration. A lot. Uh, let's just say uh, center fielders in Cub history. <laughs> in, in exploration, if you will, uh, so, yeah, with a me particular at, with me, position. Yes, with me as always is Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Andy, doing good. Good to be back. Uh, have you been thrown out of any Little League games lately? That's America. Not in the last... Not in the last six weeks. I, I think it's yeah. I made it through June. I got a game tomorrow. Oh. Last yeah, one of our last games of the year. So knock on wood. But no, it's been a while. Yeah. So do you go full Bob, Bobby Cox? You get thrown out of games, and then also do you pick your nose on purpose in the dugout to get the camera off you? Do you know that was a trick that people assumed that's what Bobby was doing? Either that or Bobby uh, just constantly picked his nose. No. I I uh, we could share this too because I've shared it with some friends because I don't have a whole lot to be. Utterly embarrassed about it. Sounds pretty bad on the surface, but I actually put myself into the frame, uh, as, you'll, as you'll know. Oh, I can play uh, the audio in, for everybody. It, in the incident, uh, in the incident to which you're referring, but yeah, one of my coaches, um, and I've coached with for a while, coach, coach with for a while, has been very good about getting a, a GoPro on, you know, and uh, recording all of our games. And it's a lot of fun. We kind of break it down, and then it just so happens. Does he that wear course, the GoPro on his head? No, he he positions it, and it's fine at our home fields because he knows the the layout. But you know, he goes up on that sort of parabolic uh, backstop that they have in a lot of little league fields, and uh, and fastens it to it. So you basically can watch our games uh, with a view from right above the umpire, which yeah. comes in handy. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it you, right now. That's when you have a situation in which a, a manager is. Uh, watching his kids just struggle, uh, which would happen. We're kind of a youngish team, and we've taken our lumps this year in this sort of a house all-star type of a, a league with about 20 games and a couple tournaments. And, um, you know, getting crushed early on by a team that's been playing a lot longer and seeing my pitcher kind of maybe get squeezed on a lot of hittable pitches, which would be help if uh, the kids maybe swung, moved the game along. And as an umpire myself, I – Do you guys have a pitch uh, clock? I, Thank God we don't. That fixed MLB baseball. Yeah, we should. I have shouted at my kids in the past when they sort of step off the mound and try to get the guy there. Let's move the game along. Let's go. Your fielders are getting on the seat on their uh, on their heels. So you can't hear me. I'm off. There it is. I'm off screen. I just been ejected. <laughs> Enjoy the walk show. Read, way to read show. the room, Blue. Well, it's a spin. It was. It was. It was my best improvisational attempt. Um, really, it's a. I guess if I were to like justify it, it's a spin on the old ump show. Yep. But it wasn't like this guy was making a show out of himself. My frustration was that. We're getting clobbered. This team came from Crystal Lake. They didn't drive 40 minutes to uh, play a four-inning game. I'm speaking for them, too, because their manager was cool with me. Uh, they scored their seven, eight runs in the first inning. 
you know, uh, if their kids have good eyes, great. Let them, let them keep watching, you know, or let's just move the game along was my point. My yes, my kid was struggling. I'm not blaming the ump for our, uh, for our uh, failure that game, but I was just frustrated that, uh, he couldn't read the room and, uh, you know, maybe start calling some of those pitches on it. So no, this is not a, uh, uh, a rip from the headlines, dateline piece where, you know, I'm just being a belligerent asshole uh, complaining because he called my guy out at third base and then I end up assaulting him. It was uh, a little bit more nuanced than that. I'd like to think, but yeah, my first ejection. So enjoy folks. We can put the link in the six yep. minute clip. So have you, um, where have you were you ever thrown out of a game as a player? I've been warned playing usually playing softball, I've been warned a couple times, you know, kind of chirping a little bit on blue, but no, never close to the little leaguer. And as a fan, that's kinda of hard to do in little league games. So no, my record was clean. What about you, Andy? I I've been thrown out of a little league game and a high school basketball game. Oh shit. Congratulations. Little league game as a player. As a player. Both as a player. Oh. I think you may have mentioned this before, yeah, the, the, or no? Maybe on the podcast, no. I may have even mentioned it. So in Little League, yeah. um, I got hit by a pitch, and um, I started to go to first base, and the ump told me I had to come back because I didn't try to get out of the way. And believe me, I tried to get out of the way. I, I'm no Anthony wearing one? or Miguel He's Amaya. Not, I do not want, I did not want to get hit. It hurt, and I didn't want to do it. I got hit right in the thigh, too. It hurt. Well, that's an insult to him. It's kind of impressive. He thought you were badass yeah. enough, I suppose. To so he made me come one, back, but... and uh, I actually knew the pitcher. And uh, the next pitch, I hit a double. And I'm standing on second base, and I yelled to the pitcher, obviously loud enough for the ump to go. He said, hey, Riggs, I got what had been for that effing ump. I'd only be on first base. And I got tossed. <laughs> the best part of that wow. story was that was a makeup game. We had a, we'd had a rain out, and we had to make it up in the morning because that afternoon was the All Star game, and okay. I was in the All Star game and I had the same up. Oh, Jesus <laughs> oh, Christ! I did wow. not get thrown out of the All Star game, and no. I got thrown out of a high school basketball game against Rockford Christian Life. I was actually having a <laughs> great game, and I went up yeah. for I went up for a rebound, and it hit. It hit the it hit the rim twice. I didn't expect it, so I completely mistimed my jump. And I otherwise I was going to have an easy putback, and I fumbled the ball out of bounds. And I went, God damn it! And I got thrown out. I got two texts and got thrown out. And yeah, coach, that was not coach, directed at, at an official's call. No, it was, it was directed just, at, my, at it at my awful hands. But you were and I'm standing. I thought I just got one technical, so I didn't leave the. Um, wow. I, actually, I thought what happened was I got one technical, and the coach took me out, mad at me for getting technical. Yeah. And then. Um, a double T, and he goes, "They're shooting free throws." And he looks at the, he looks at the ref, and he's like, "Wait a minute, did he get two? And they're like, "Yeah." They go, four, they go, and he has to leave. Four free they throws? point at me, and they're like, "He has to leave." And I'm like, "Well, what did I?" I'm like, "What did I do?" And um, so the, so the my, Lord's name our coach asked the asked the ref, and he goes, "What did he say?" And the ref walked over and said, "Told him like, yeah." Like he said, "God damn it!" Whistle, and he's like, straight. "He's like, well, he goes, it's not that bad." And the ref like points at because it was Rockford Christian Life. Says, yeah, but you can't say that Jesus. against them. Like, Their version of touchdown Jesus on the wall or something. So I, I had to go. I did. I did get a technical one from like a seven. Happy. I got no. I got it worse from him than I got from the coach because he drove all the way to whatever school that was. Nah, it was a home game. Home. Uh, it was a home game. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it was your team. I mean, you must have really let down all oh, of that. Oh, but apparently the ref was the very run. conscious of the fact that there was a kind of a half-assed Christian school that we were playing, and, you know, oh, got to be sensitive. Oh, got it. 
Yeah. I had it wrong. I thought you were at third place. Yeah, I once got a T. No, we got like a fight at their place. place. Oh, a fight that spilled out onto the floor, and some of the fans got involved. It, it was quite. It was. It was quite a time for uh, not very uh, upstate Illini East basketball or whatever we were. What were we? Wow. Something like that. Times. Our conference oh, yeah. changed like three times when I was playing. Anyway, oh, people are very excited now. We've talked about little league baseball and high school yeah. basketball. Just what you want. I remember this crap. Sure. So anyway, the the reason that this came up organically while we were going through all the. 30-whatever seasons of exciting Cubs baseball. And, like, when we were kids, the lament was always that the Cubs had the, had, had this huge hole at third base. It talks mm-hmm. about it all the time, to the point where, as starting young in, kids, start, yes. we believed it. But Starting in, like, the late 80s, I think. Yeah. Right around the time Ron Sano started coming back around. Right. It was mostly started by Ron Sano, I think. <laughs> it was his, it was his Hall of Fame retro- propaganda oh. campaign. In retrospect, that was the whole that was the whole deal. There it's, it's, yeah. it's there Ron's is. fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that became the narrative. Yeah, like. But it was oh, also. At that point, it it was, also turned out to be ridiculous because he played until '73. I believe that's correct. Trail of the White Sox. Shortly thereafter, Bill Madlock won two like batting titles. Right, he was immediately replaced by Madlock, who to this day is still the only Cub to win more than one batting title, let alone back-to-back years, which is a remarkable achievement. And then there was some, there were some fallow yes. years. There was Ken Reitz, sure, because the Cubs sucked. Steve Onoveros. But then there was there was the yeah. functional, yeah. if not tiny, Ron Say. Ron Say, yep. Uh, they got a year out of Vance they Law. They got an all-star right? season Luis, out of Vance Law. Yeah. Luis Salazar. You know, we had a nice, consistent run of mediocrity with Steve Buschel for like three and a half years. That was about as steady as it goes. So it wasn't, in retrospect, it wasn't so horrible, but no. that was that was the narrative, in, though, the lament. And then in yeah. 2003, they filled the spot for like a decade. About a decade. With, with the, the, the Ramos Ramirez. Yep. And then yep. shortly thereafter, we had Chris Bryant and now yep. Nick Madrigal. Well, in all seriousness, we've had a rookie that hit, uh, granted, a 30-year-old rookie, but a, a well, a, a, a good defensive third baseman for another couple of years. Set, uh, who set the Cub record homers. for uh, rookie home rookie runs. Rookie home runs, yeah. And he broke yeah, the other, he not, broke the old guys. He broke Chris Bryant's yeah, record. Yeah, so now they're just pushing through. Just a wash in talent. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. But you're right. But you're right. So, so you have you have a 30-year fallow period, which is dark but again that that tracks the cubs were mostly bad in those 30 years and uh and they were bad at other positions too so but then as we started talking going team by team and talking about history and whatever it became very clear that the there is a position on the field that the cubs cannot adequately fill long term they just haven't been able to do it um i always said they hadn't done it since the 40s with andy pavko yeah. But it turns out that you were right. They did it in the early, about the time we were born. They had a, well, they had a it, functional, more than competent center fielder for five years. And but, that is the bar that that's the, you're defining the bar at a very elevated. Like Andy right. Pafko would be considered a great player. So, oh, the last great center fielder, and that's true still. Uh, we're just looking for an upright, <laughs> um, ambulatory, half decade dude yeah. that is. No, league average and maybe you know, probably a little bit better. Monday was probably a little bit better than league average, but yeah, that's right. pretty, out of out of an admittedly important position that's not the easiest to fill. It's it's either the first or second best player on the field is your center fielder. Fine, you know, it's fine, but come on, can't be that. 
Yeah, so in 1972, they traded Ken Holtzman to the A's, and they got Rick Monday. And Rick was pretty Rick good. Monday, he was pretty good at center field the, for, for five years. And the then first they, ever and then amateur. They uh, traded him to, for what? Um, not Bill North, right? No. Um, well, they traded him and Mike they, Garman for a, Avonda Hayes, Bill, Bill Buckner, and Joe Felbert. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they got a good player for him. They got Bill Buckner. He won a bank title for the Cubs. Well, and Jesus was a shortstop, a good, uh, probably an above-average shortstop in an era of and then they, all gloves. And then no they turned Avonda Jesus into Larry Boa and somebody else. I don't remember. That is a good point. Uh, Rick Monday, uh, in effect, led to Ryan Sandberg. Oh, Ryan Sandberg. That's right. Hall of Famer yeah. Ryan Sandberg. But yeah, so Rick Monday played five years for the Cubs. In those five years, he had he had the best five years of his career for the Cubs. Is that he, right? He had 270. Actually, he had the best five-year stretch of his career for the Cubs. 270 batting average, 366 on base, 460 slugging. That's an 826 OPS. He had 106 homers wow. in four years. And then you're going to love this. Rick stole 37 bases in those five seasons. Okay? That's not a that's okay. seven, a little over seven. Yeah. Uh, he did that in 79 attempts. Wow. He got thrown out 42 times trying to steal. It, it, stole, it was 37 of 79 stolen bases. Maybe wow. stop running. It's just a thought. It makes me wonder then, too, um, and I don't know how well the defensive metrics could gauge this. I have no idea. I could ask my brother, but even he was probably too young. He was a big Rick Monday fan as a little kid, I believe. But how uh, proficient, how good of an actual stunner fielder he was. Gosh, if he's not that fast, this is an era. Like you, like Gary Maddox of Philadelphia might have been like the gold one. He's the guy that they said, you know, Earth is covered by 70% water. The rest is covered by Gary Maddox. Supposedly it was originally said about Willie Mays. But, I thought that was Walt uh, Harris. I thought that was Bears defensive back Walt Harris. Yeah. That wasn't oh, original? You mean one of Dave Wanstead's finest first-round draft picks, <laughs> Walt Harris? I think Walt had Believe a, it or not. I think I he had a T-shirt that said that. This is pretty obvious yeah, shirts. A, obvious shirts have been all it's, over it's, that. But it's, Walt had to make Willie his own. Mason. Yeah, it probably wasn't Willie Mason or maybe even applied like you know to like Cobb or whatever. But uh, but it was sort of said about Gary Maddox. But in that era of the 70s, that was an era where Lou Brock would become the stolen base. They're like, if he only played left. And you got to figure center fielders were free to foot. Uh, Rick Monday played center, and he wasn't fleet of foot. So I just wonder, was he a handicap? Would he, would he have been better off than left? Because I know when we saw Rick Monday, we think of the guy that broke the Canadian, the Montreal Expo's heart in that uh, game five in the 81 uh, league championship oh, I series. Thought you meant, I thought you meant he broke their hearts when he uh, rescued the burning yeah. flag against them. Oh, right. Yeah, we should Expos. probably – Yes, that was as a Cub. It is, it, once that happened, that cemented his the destiny of eventually becoming a Dodger, of course. So that happened while he was a Cub. People can look this up. I could try to find it, put it with the post. Um, one of the best bobbleheads the Dodgers have ever done is of a Cub. They have a bobblehead of Rick Monday rescuing the flag, and it's, an, it's a great bobblehead. But he's in a Cub uniform because he was a Cub. It's like, how, how, come, maybe, how come the Cubs didn't get on that? And make that bobblehead, right? But I mean, yeah, I guess they, the there's no more connection with Rick and the Cubs. I mean, he's been the Dodger radio announcer for like, yep, thirty years or some for some reason. Yeah, he's you know he's or kind of an interesting. Like ever since Vin stopped doing it all by himself. 
Okay. When Vin, um, Vin would do the first three innings on TV, and then somebody, eventually it was Charlie Steiner, and Rick Monday would do okay. yeah, he's four still, through uh, nine on radio. I know he still does it. I will tune in a game. Certainly I'll tune in a game if uh, if Zach is doing all nine innings, and yeah. I'll just switch to the other team broadcast. But uh, the other interesting fun fact about Rick Monday, since, uh, you know, this is the perfect way to kick it off, and we can throw the whole kitchen sink as to what we know and throw out any fun facts, is he is the first ever baseball player drafted uh, in the amateur draft yes, in 1966. The number one overall uh, pick by the Kansas by, City A's, right? There was the Kansas City A's, right. And then he came up with Oakland. Like, and then from there, as you said, they traded for Holtzman. And for five years, and at the time, I'm sure Cub fans were like, okay, because at that point, you're only, what, 25 years removed from Andy Pafco. You're only 25 years removed from a, from a pennant. Uh, center field, if you want to kind of maybe go a little bit back, that, uh, when you talk about the DeRocher era Cubs, the 69 Cubs, so to speak, but really from like 67 to 73, a team that was perennially, you know, on paper as good as any other team, one of their fatal flaws was a lack of a center fielder. Um, well, yeah, Don Young. Yeah, Don Young. So that Ron could run out during a game and yell at him. And show him up. Yeah, yep. show up his teammate. Yep. Um, and and that was, you know, and I remember there was, a, there was a revisionist history that talked about how, well, of course, you know, the Cubs had a uh, an interesting player in the early 60s that they came up around the same time as Billy Williams and Ron Santo, but they traded him for Ernie Broglio. And then he went on to, like, win a World Series that season at the Cardinals in 64 and then again in 67 and became a Hall of Famer because he barely got 3,000 hits and set the record for stolen bases. But by all accounts, Lou Brock was a terrible left fielder. So uh, it does not fit. It would be nice because he was fast. You'd think he'd be a good defensive player. Apparently he was not. Otherwise, uh, that that narrative, that alternate narrative would have fit too perfectly that had the Cubs held on to Lou Brock. They would have had their center fielder in 69. But – doesn't track. Doesn't track. They just they didn't have a center fielder. That was their flaw. And then, ironically enough, they would have a very competent one uh, for five years, which would be the last one they would have forever. Because, um, like for us, it just you know sounds so crazy. Five years, Rick Monday, same guy, center field. It's funny. It's hard to tell, you know, because we didn't see him. How good a defensive center fielder he did play center field in Oakland, but he did it. Uh, between Joe Rudy and Reggie Jackson. And we know Joe yeah. Rudy and Reggie Jackson were going to play center field. He gets to the Cubs, and he's playing between Billy Williams and Jose Cardinal. And they're not, they're yeah. not putting Rick Monday in left field. I think Billy, especially that first year, Billy wow. should, probably should have been the MVP that year. And 72? Yeah. Well, for, Forklift, our friend, will tell you that both in 1970 and 1972, Johnny Bench edged out Billy Williams for MVP. And uh, Fork had once had the privilege of meeting Billy Williams at something, and it's all he could talk about. If you mention, apparently, if you mention 1970 Johnny Bench or 72, you will basically, it's like spinning a top with Billy Williams. So, yeah, so still in his prime, but Billy's now on the other side of 30. So, how good of an outfielder is he, right? He's a great hitter. Well, here's Billy in, th- here's Billy in 72. Hmm. He hit 333, a 398 on base, a 606 slug. That's a thousand five OPS, thirty seven homers, one hundred twenty two RBIs. Damn! How old was Billy in seventy two? Whoa! And he finished second in the MVP in nineteen seventy. When he finished second in the MVP, um, he hit three twenty two, three ninety one on base, five eighty six slug, nine seventy seven. He hit forty two homers, one hundred twenty nine RBIs. 
He led wow. the league in runs and hits. He had 205 hits. The only, it's the third time his career had 200 hits. Um, he led the league in total bases. And he was 32. Uh, let's see. Johnny Bench. Uh, so Billy I'm led in sure. runs and hits. Bench led in homers and RBIs. He had 45 homers and 148 RBIs. As a catcher. Oh, so wow. you can kind of see yeah. why. And I think I think my dad used to speak highly about. He was kind of a revolutionary defensive catcher. I think he was, or he, he was kind. Of, he was a little bit of a new prototype. It felt like. And it, and in '72, Bench also led the National League in homers and RBIs, 40 and 125. That's pretty insane when you think about it. I don't think catchers do that very often, do they? Johnny Bench was an not that they knew it at the time. Johnny Bench in 1972 had an 8.6 WAR. <laughs> Joe Morgan had a 9.3. Of course, he wouldn't even—he wouldn't have known what that was, and it, you know, right? He would have bad. Was bad. So yeah, Billy Williams at what thirty-four, still banging the ball all over the ballpark, better than anybody in the league. But he's not your center fielder. I don't know how is a Cardinal. I don't. I can't speak to his baseball ability. He's obviously well known as like as a character, good enough ball player to play, you know, however long. But so yeah, I don't know. Well. Any listeners that uh, are older than us that saw Rick Monday play, if they can remember any particular defensive prowess, I'd be curious. Because, again, I'm picturing the, kind of the old veteran that led, uh, that hit the homer off of Steve Risers in 81 that won the pennant for the Dodgers. That was towards the end of his career. I knew he was an ex-club by then, but certainly wasn't a center fielder. So it's kind of, it's kind of ironic. So Rick Monday missed the A's three-peat because he got traded to the Cubs the year before. He did, 72, 73, Billy 74. missed it because he got traded to the A's after it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So those two just, those two sandwiched the World Series. Well, Monday got his due with the Dodgers because he was there in time for them to lose to the Yankees in 77 and 78. He was there every day. So what was he? Was Rick Monday the Dodgers center fielder in 1977 at the age of 31? If so, that would probably give some evidence that he was not a horrible player if he was yeah. that old. Uh, I am trying to find the defenses. In 81, he was a bench guy when they won the World Series. Yes. By then, he was like Mr. Pinch Hitter Extraordinary. My favorite Dodger of all time, Kenny Landro, was playing center field for that team. Yeah. He was. He only played 115 games, but in all 115 games in 77, he played in center. So I would say he's, he was the primary, but he was being phased out because in 78, he played in 103 games in the outfield and only 79 in center for the Dodgers. So, um, not sure who their other who they who they eventually brought in. You mentioned Kenny Landover. That was a Kenny came about 81 from Minnesota. I want to think there was somebody else in there, but so got old so number Bill 44. North. Yeah, Dodgers themselves. Yeah, so. Um, Good enough. The offensive numbers were terrific. Those numbers play today out of center field that Monday was putting up. Yeah. He's almost as good as Mike Talkman. Hey, friend. Can I tell a quick Mike Talkman story? As you know, I live in Palatine Township. My daughter, my kids go to friend. My tax dollars support District 211. And I'm I'm actually literally wearing a a friend softball hoodie right now. The daughter played a couple years. Anyway. At the Cubs game, that game was probably one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Actually, I've been going to probably I've been going to games in '79. Was Marcus Stroman's uh, Memorial Day one nothing one hitter against Tampa Bay 
first time I got out there, I took the family out there. We're sitting in our seats over there, but in front of the railing in 204. And sometime around the sixth inning, they're a little bit of a cluster. As you know, you've sat in those seats. Sometimes people can congregate around a vendor or whatever. Yeah. So I was kind of looking around, and there was a guy kind of in front of me, and he asked me, uh, the score was one nothing, and he asked me how the Cubs scored. And I said, oh, I just said, local kid, because that's me. Local kid, Mike Talkman, hit a sacrifice fly. Guy looks at me and goes, that's my son. I'm Bob Talkman. He sticks wow. out his hand. I'm like, really? And, of course, I'm like, oh, my, my daughter. She goes to friend, blah, blah, And then he like goes, oh, I live at so-and-so, so-and-so, right behind friend. And of course, my kids look up the address on the phone. Because I was admittedly a little suspicious. Because, first of all, like, what is this, like, uh, uh, you know, Saul Goodman, he just said, yeah, sure. I'm like, first of all, why do you ask me the score? Like, your son's playing for the Cubs. You don't know that he drove yeah. in the run. Or you pass, was it because me? Taylor also, was interviewing him and he couldn't, he couldn't see for, like, an inning? Because. But then I'm like, why are you all the way down the left field line by my seats? Like your son's on the cup. But I, I kind of reason that, well, this guy maybe probably has his own tickets. There's probably a huge demand because this is uh, around Memorial Day. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, Taco's only been up for a couple weeks and uh, he's probably having to fulfill a lot of requests uh, for the local guys. So, but yeah, I was able to find like a Google image. I'm like, oh, that, that it checks out, but it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny. He, I don't think he would have introduced himself if I wasn't the weirdo that like went into sports yeah. radio was a oh, local guy. guy Mike Talkman. Like this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm gonna tell him who I am. So, yeah, nice guy, Bob Talkman. As Sean and, Connery you know, would have said, when you doubted whether that was Bob Talkman or not, Sean Connery said in The Untouchables, "Who would claim to be that who wasn't?" <laughs> he did have the sole RBI in that game. Uh, Mike Talkman is a center fielder to sort of bring everything to the end, and he is like. 33, but, and you he know, is we can slow as finish shit. up the high enough. <laughs> like Rick Monday, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah, he's the modern-day yeah. Rick Monday. Well, except, yeah. You know, I, like, it, I, I love, I, 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 I talk about how slow he is often. I like Mike Talkman. I'm glad he's product, he, he's one of the few productive Cubs. I'm happy to have him. But he worked in that like bat. tonight, like Cody Bellinger is, was healthy enough to play center field. And he's in center field. And Talkman is in right. And that's fine. He should be in one of those corners because, yeah. And okay. he and but the other problem Mike talked about is Mike never hits the ball hard ever. He hits about eighty-five oh, miles an hour, and so eventually mm-hmm. these little things are going to drop in, and you're just going to have mm-hmm. to wave goodbye to Mike Talk. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. had like an incredible half with the Yankees a few years ago. Like he was yep. a, basically like he was like MVP Mike Talkman, and then all of a sudden stopped hitting because you know the little pop-ups that fall in, you know four times eventually a week don't boost your average all of a sudden are getting well, caught and you should always remember him fondly because is during his brief time with the with the giants when he yes. also had a uh, a three-week spurt he robbed albert pujols yes of what would have been a record-breaking walk-off yep. uh, game-winning home run so so he is he is fondly remembered by giants fans for two reasons number one robbing yeah well it was for the same thing but for two for two reasons with that um it kept Pujols from getting another home run on his way to 500, but it won the game for the Giants, and the Giants won 107 games that year, and the Dodgers won 106. Whoa! So, that was like a direct, you know, that's that's literally a game that Mike Talkman won for them. It was a two-run, it would have won, well, I don't think it was the ninth inning, but it would have put the Dodgers ahead. Like, it was, there was somebody on. So it wasn't just that... Was it the ninth inning? I don't know. I I know that it... I know I that, he, that they kept the Giants per- ahead and they won. Pujols had a personal mark, I thought, that would have set the record for most walk-off home runs or something. Okay. I thought. Maybe that's what it was. 
I'd have to. Look I know he was on now. his. It was on his when he's trying to get so, a five hundred home run. So, like Rick Monday, a lot of fun facts there. That's uh, Mike yeah. talking. So, so Monday leaves. Uh, you trade to the Dodgers, and the Cubs have a different center fielder every year for the next eight opening days. Whoa, it's before our time, so I don't even know if you guess any. So, what's the first year? Uh, the, uh, the year Buckner. Uh, Bobby Mercer come back. Jerry Morales. You're in his first go around. He was an all star that year. All star, Jerry Morales. All star center fielder. So, yeah, so they're time. like, hey, we got it. It's solved. We have center field solved. Even better than Rick Monday. They didn't even, they didn't even know they had we a problem. They're like, oh my God, we went 25 years between Pathco and Monday. Thank God we're <laughs> now not center going any longer. Just, we can shake a tree and <laughs> a center fielder falls out tree. of it. And so Jerry Morales in his advanced law like season. Uh, yeah, Jerry Morales, 293, 48, 447. It, it, it probably was the opening day center fielder in 78, but not necessarily the center fielder of record in 78. Yeah, he, didn't that, start, he didn't start opening day. That was Gene Kleins. Uh, I remember Gene Kleins as a coach. Yes, as a fat coach. And probably, probably okay. was a fat center fielder. That's, that's your 78 opening. And we're doing opening day or most or who struck uh, out. I did opening day because there's some pretty. All let's right. see. 78. Yeah, I think it's more, the guy who played center the most fun. was uh, Greg Gross. Oh, future Philly. Okay. Got and it. All right. Not all that well. He had an 80 OPS no. plus. Um, 1979. Jerry, Jerry Martin. Martin. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Jerry, uh, 272, 321, 453. Yeah, he, was, he was league and average. That, he was 101. Then, he was league average. Way to go, Jerry. And the, and the next year he would not be the openness in the field, but he would uh, take the Cubs' home run crown from Dave Kingman with, uh, I believe, 23. Yeah. And, and Kingman had 48 and 79. Yeah. 1980. Yeah, I've talked about this on previous Remember This Crap. My dad was so upset that they let Carlos Lascano be the center fielder instead of Scott Thompson. Scar- yeah. and Jerry Martin started the most games in center, but Carlos okay. Lascano uh, played center. And what is he probably more famous for? His brother who had six toes? His cousin had six toes. Oh, I thought it was his brother. Six-toe Lascano's his cousin. Okay. Yep. Yeah, six-toe's been brought up before. Well, your dad must have been happy in 1981. Yeah, because Scott Thompson Scott was Thompson the opening day center fielder. With one T. Not in Thompson. Only one T in Thompson. Also only and one T you in po- Scott. You pointed this out in a previous that He also had like three or four different Cubs numbers, which basically meant, you know, yep. every time he got sent down, they figured he wasn't coming back. Somebody, yeah, somebody, yeah, somebody better got his number. 25, 29, and 18. <laughs> Real name, Vernon. Vernon Scott Thompson. Of course, Scott Thompson. Uh, he was first-round draft pick of the Cubs in – Oh. 1974. Nice job, Bob. Uh, Bob see. Kennedy. Who could, could they have picked instead? In 74, uh, over Scott Thompson? He was the seventh pick. Uh, let's see. Jesus. The 13th pick, Gary Templeton. Okay. The 16th pick, Lance Parrish. Okay, a couple of uh, very above-average players for oh, a while. The 18th pick, there's a couple of future Cubs that they could have picked. Uh, the 18th pick from the Royals, Willie Wilson. Oh wow! And it'll probably it's probably would have helped a little bit more. The twenty-first pick, Rick Sutcliffe. Wow! How Cubs about took that? Scott Thompson, fourteen picks ahead of Rick Sutcliffe. Um, they ended up getting yeah, yeah. Oh. Nah, they got the best years out of Sut anyway. They did, but they could have had Joe Carter and Rick Sutcliffe. Yeah. Uh, 
1982. Uh, I can tell you because it was part of Dallas Green building a new tradition. We we're all very excited about Ty Waller. Ty Waller. Ty yeah. Waller would would uh, play center field on opening day, and then he would also play in 16 more games that year. Wow. <laughs> 17 so, games. The guy who played the most games in center field for the uh, for the 82 Cubs. Because because I always got excited on opening day. I'm probably better at telling you the opening day position players were than who ended up actually playing. And I couldn't even get – was it Leon Durham maybe ended up playing the most games in center field? No, but he's coming up. Uh, Leon played oh, most, okay. most of his games in right. It was Gary Woods. Oh, our guy. The first member of the 84 Cubs to uh, shuffle off this mortal coil and who owned Steve Carlton as a hitter. The 1983 center fielder was Leon. Well, the center, okay, on opening day, too? Yep. Wow, and he was an all-star. Second, uh, we hit two all-star center fielders, Gary Morales in 77 and Leon Durham in 83. How about this 1983 uh, outfield for the Cubs? As eventually somebody else would take over center field. Leon would go to left. Mel Hall? Mel Hall. Leon Durham, Mel Hall, and Keith Moreland. Oh. I would ooh. guess that every fly ball landed in the – they picked every fly ball up. They didn't catch so Mel, a single one. Mel Hall is kind of more like the Dwight Smith character uh, category. Probably really fast, but just not a good outfielder. Now, when Mel right. was a Cubby, didn't do this, but when he was uh, when he was a Yankee, I think, not even an Indian, Mel would um, – Mel liked to stick things in other people's pants, but um, he would learned. stick – his batting gloves, he would put batting gloves in each of his back pockets with the fingers sticking out. So, that when he hit a home run, as he ran, he would wave goodbye. Wow. As he ran around the bases. And he probably hit like four good. homers that year. So, that was great. Right. Good thing he decided to do that yeah, towards the end of his otherwise meaningless career where he had some of his best production with, with the Cubs. Uh, but Mel Hall in 1983, this we had to, had to entice the Indians uh, a year later. 283, 352, 488. Yeah, we did. We went. I remember when we did the '83 Cubs. You could actually see like the blueprint of '84, and that Hall was actually one of the better players who turned out not to be on the '84 team. So uh, that when that trade was made, we knew about Joe Carter, but like Mel Hall had really kind of produced over about 300 games. It's funny he never he never really did after they're out a little bit. uh, Durham had an OPS plus of. 131. Mel's was 128, and Moreland's was 128. They had a yeah. they had a good offensive outfield, not, not too great defensively. Say well, hit 24 no. homers, drove in 90 runs. Yeah, yeah. They had well. That was the whole thing. The 80. We, as we point out, 83 was on offense the same team as 84. The big difference was the pitching was completely revamped. They had no pitching. Some guy Sorry, uh, won a Gold Glove in his first season at second base. And a new position. Yeah. Still a thirty-seven-year-old shortstop, but back then that was fine. They didn't really, we didn't expect anything out of an offense out of shortstop, and even that was, garden gnome. That was a big year for, didn't from have any Larry Two sixty-seven, three twelve. He slugged three thirty-nine. That actually is two sixty-seven. He walked thirty-five what? times and struck out thirty. I want to give a pat on the head. He grounded into one hundred and eight double plays. Is that right? No, three. He ended three double plays. Because he doesn't hit the ball hard enough. No. Even his old, be, even, even his old legs still able to get down the line. Yeah. All right. So here's an easy one. 1984. Yeah. Now we now we find now if you were to analyze this objectively, this is the sort of oasis between Monday and granted two all stars, 
And one of those is just simply move to first base, but not really a center fielder. Now on opening day, we not only have a center fielder, but we have a leadoff hitter too, which is not a position, but a luxury that is pretty prevalent on all winning teams. And that is Bobby Dernier. And he would be the and starting thought, center fielder for the next four seasons. 85, also the next four, and the next four opening days also in through the primary center fielder. Maybe not the primary though. He, well, was he, hurt got, a lot. he got hurt. Yeah. But he started opening. Dave, Mar- Dave Martinez started. Dave Martinez is probably the primary center fielder in '87 as a rookie. Jerry Mumphrey was stealing some at bats, which we unearthed that we we got some really prime production out right, of a late Mumphrey career. Was amazing. Jerry, yeah, for the Cubs. Uh, you know, throwing a Billy Hatcher sampling, a Darren Jackson during this time, but it was mostly Dernier. Um, yeah, let's see. So Dernier played. Let's see how many games they played these years. 84, he played 143, 85, 121, 86, 108, 87, 93. So heading in the wrong direction. Right, each year. Then he went back to the Phillies and had one good year and one awful year, and then he was done. Yeah, Cubs got his best years. Um, But even even those four years, so yeah, the the opening day center for four years, but – not even reaching the bar of uh, of 125. He only played 122, 100. Yeah, 143 is the most he played. He never yeah. played more than 121. Right. He missed at least 40 games every other year, including almost yeah. 70 so, and 87. His so, stolen base numbers yeah. a little. He was a little more efficient than Rick Monday. He stole 119 bases in 153 attempts. He only got thrown up 34 times in four years as a cut. Wow. He really was a good ball player. Uh, he, however, um, he had a he, he had a his. Well, it's not a full season. Eighty-seven. He really had his one good year as a getting on base in eighty-four. He had a he had a three fifty-six on base. Then it was three fifteen, two seventy-five, three seventy-nine in eighty-seven, but only one hundred ninety-nine bats. Yeah, limited. Wow, terrible on base percentage. I called him a great leadoff man. That only applies to the eighty-four season. Yep. He didn't uh, – 84, he walked 63 times against 60 strikeouts. Um, yeah. That's the only time he had more walks than strikeouts in his career. Yeah, he's close. 87, he was even, 19 and 19. Yeah. So even this – so this is the guy now that is like uh, the, the model of stability. A good player. I'm not going to denigrate Bobby he won, the, Eady, he won a gold glove in 1984. He did in 84, yeah. He was – he felt like he was a really good outfielder. But, yeah, offensively – you know, the best you could hope for setting the table in 84. But, yeah, his OPS plus, uh, I was under 100. 87 was an aberration, but that was the year of the rabbit ball, too. But then I guess that would have been accounted for for OPS plus. But in any event, um, not like, you know, the expectation wasn't for center fielders in the early 80s to be productive offensive players. I can't think of any offhand that would have been until, like, Griffey came along. But – um, really good, you know, leadoff hitter, center fielder, but that's it though. Four years and even that two injury plague to really be uh, that much of a stalwart. But that's that's the new bar now since Monday's gone. Bob's your near. Uh, so then in 87, um, well, Dernier is the opening day center fielder, but the guy who plays, you're right, the guy who plays the most center field is Dave Martinez. It was really good numbers there that I didn't even appreciate at the time. I just remember going over that when did 87. Yeah, 292, 372 on base, 418 slug. Eight homers, 36 yeah. RBIs, stole 16 bases. 22 years old. Had to cover yeah. a lot of ground between Jerry Mumphrey and Andre Dawson. 
Well, Andre's Andre had a cannon. I think his range was starting to slow with those knees. So yeah, you you might be right a little bit. Um, but Jerry didn't have to play all the games in left field because there was a young guy named Rafael Palmero who played 84 games for the Cubs that year. Wow. You'd think that Raphael would be left in left and, um, and and Martinez would be in right, and they might have somebody else in the middle. Sorry. Um, never mind. Let that one let that one ride. But you're right. Palmero is starting to get at bats in 87. Uh, let's see. Not, we, it, so, not as many to overtake Terry Mumford. Davey is the leadoff man in 88. Uh, although he would not finish the season. No, no. Uh, infamous trade, the mysterious trade in April where all of a sudden Mitch Webster is barely good enough to even play center. So now what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? <laughs> uh-huh. So, I mean, Mitch Webster, that's an, uh, you know, a year after you got a 22-year-old rookie with a 790 OPS, we've got pasty-ass Mitch Webster trying to hold it down. So I don't even know who the who the regular so Dave Martinez oh. so Dave Martinez was the opening day center fielder you said yes. you said lead up he meant opening day center fielder oh yeah so opening day yeah. center fielder uh, let's see he made it until July fourteenth when he was traded to the Expos for the for the great switch hitting star Mitch Webster yeah who himself would be the opening day left fielder the next year that shows you how. You know how 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 much Jim Fry sold for pennies on the dollar. A 22-year-old center fielder for a guy that would become the well, you know, maybe we underestimated how much Jim Fry was simply paving the way for 1989 Rookie of the Year Jerome Walton. Yeah, but I think we know that Jim didn't really have a plan about anything. Yeah, just... I know, right? Walton Walton it was lad. Um. At the time of the trade, Mitch was really tearing it up for the Expos. Uh, 255, 354 on base. He was slugging a cool 313. Mm. Yeah. And then with the Cubs, he turned it on. 265, 319, slugged 398. Four homers in 70 games. Way to go, Mitch. Yeah. a boy. 29 years old. Seven years older. Cubs lost seven years. And But, you I'm know, not it's trade. not like Dave Martinez had a long career or anything. He only played 16 seasons in the big leagues. Didn't he come back at one point to actually get traded for Brant Brown, I he think, was on at the, one he point? He was on the 2,000 Cubs, and uh, yeah. he played about like Mitch Webster, 185, 214, 241. Yeah. He was 35 years old when he came back. Just, you know, another Dallas Green draft pick, still he kicking had, it. He had a couple of really good years for the White Sox, 95 and 96. Wow. Um, no kidding. God, I don't remember Dave Martinez playing from the Sox oh, yeah. back then. Heard for Terry Babington. Actually, even his even ninety seven, he was pretty good. Uh, but see, his three years with the White Sox, he hit three hundred two with a three seventy three on base and a four thirty eight slug. Everyday player. The best years of yeah, his career, kind of. Yeah. Well, in ninety six, he was kept himself in shape. It's a shame, uh, you know, that's one of those uh, alternate realities, you know. If someone yeah. uh, kept a corn cob dress in the closet and uh, the Cubs act. Well, I mean, well, here's what's interesting. We're on the topic of center fielders. The next year, just like the anomaly of Jerry Morales being an all-star center fielder in 77 and the anomaly of Leon Durham being 183, is that the Cubs, during all this time, had – I assume was an all-star center fielder in 89, but definitely the rookie of the year, 
which again, you're thinking, all right, here we are. But yeah, Jerome Walton uh, was was the opening day center fielder, won the rookie of the year, yep. had a 30 game hitting streak. Yep. He did yeah. not make the All Star team. He did not. All right. So, but won rookie of the year. So that's the feather in his cap. And you know, tell me, unlike you know Leon Durham out of position, you know, makes the All Star game because of his bat and his wheels. Uh, you got a center fielder that wins rookie of the year for a team that wins the division. You probably think you're in a pretty good position as a team. Uh, let's see. Should he have made the All-Star team at the All-Star break? 294, 344, 428, three homers, 18 RBIs, 13 stolen bases. Uh, when was the hitting streak? I wonder. Probably not. Must have been. A- must have been after or bridging it. You pointed that out in a previous episode. Like it was his hitting streak that clinched his rookie of the year because it's kind of a novel. I mean, it's 30 games. It's a... uh, let's see. When did he have the hitting streak? Still, he only had a 721 OPS that year. But, you know, they, uh, he, he was a really good defensive outfielder, too. He made an error on opening day, and then he like went like 120 games or something without another error. Looks like his hitting streak was from July 21st to August 26th. Yeah, so he got hot after the All-Star break. Uh, yeah, he had he 327, 359, 423 during the streak, two homers, 20 RBIs, uh, 51 hits in 30 games. Sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes guys put together long hitting streaks, and you know their batting average is unimpressive because you just got to hit one. But uh, he right. had to go one for, they go, hits. They go one for five, yeah. Um, when did he... Was that the year Sorry. that he pulled his hamstring, or was that the next year? Was that kind of the, the demise of I don't Jerome? know. You might, you might, is that what it was? I always thought that. I don't that, see that he missed. Uh, did he, miss, he, don't, he didn't miss a big chunk of time. Well, you know, he played way too many games. It must have been the next I year. Have a, I just have a particularly harsh version. Oh, yeah. Which well, no. Is that he, just, he only he played got, 116 games. And he was the opening day center fielder. 116 games. He must have been on the DL. Yep. Uh, cause he, yeah. Maybe he was injury prone. I, you know, the the the. the I know mean, when he played for the, the Reds, he had a big fat ass. Well, I was going to say the main interpretation. But I used to use this towards Stacey King too, who had a really good rookie year, eighty nine ninety yeah, for the when Bulls. He was, when he was in shape. Is, right, is that Jerome Walton kind of showed up to spring training? This might be inappropriate, or this might be like not fair. But that he's kind of you know after rookie of the year, he suddenly got a little bit larger, which happens. Happens a lot. Of Jerome players. is I mean, getting you know, larger. God, God knows what would happen if you know I, I had experienced such uh, success. But I don't know. That's probably unfair too. The guy was a you know uh, an elite athlete, you know elite baseball player over these years. He must have been injury prone. He never had as many plate appearances mm-hmm. as he did as a rookie. And he pieced together you know career. But yeah, it, what, so maybe maybe it's not like crestfallen. Just missed the destiny bus for whatever reason. Maybe he wasn't meant to be. Yeah, there's plenty player, of rookies of the year that were not right. great. But it, it does seem a little bit cruel that for we're, we're right now we're about 20 years, almost 15 years into this uh, this history, this chronology here. All of a sudden, we have a rookie of the year on a division winning team and a farm system that's producing talent. It seems that it's sort of couched in success, but it really, uh, I mean, he was gone like two years later. Are you saying it's a bad I mean, sign that? 
he wins rookie of the year in 89, and then he is, he is the opening day center fielder in 1990, and uh, Doug DeCenzo plays more games in 1990 yeah. than he does. Uh, well, and I think he may have still even been the opening day center fielder in 91. Did you, did you already did. write all this down? Okay, yeah, yeah. Three years in a row. But I remember like being pessimistic about it going into the year. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to capture that magic in 89. And then meanwhile, you mentioned DeCenzo. Did Seth land? We got. Can, can I can I do do a Sud Landrum name check? Was he a center fielder? Because we're we're in the 1990 part now, right? Is that? Uh, yeah, let's he was never anything close. He was never anything close to an everyday center fielder. But you know, we are doing an exhaustive history of. He wasn't on the nine. He wasn't on the 90 Cubs. Gary Varsho would have got a little time in center for the Cubs. Ah, okay. Uh, hopefully not Lloyd McClendon. Nobody wants to see that a catcher right. flopping around in center. Right. So probably mostly Doug and, and Doug did pitch in 1990. Doug, of course, one of the one of the best pitchers in Cub history. Uh, right, pitched, true. And he, he pitched also, five innings in he, four games and did not allow a run. Struck out two, walked two, gave up three hits. Got it. Got it. My apologies too. Yeah, Sud Landrum wasn't until 91. Started oh. to jump the gun, but you're right. Desenzo was the pretty much the primary fallback, I guess. They didn't know what was going on. Like, you know, Walton is, you know, not going to be the answer. So they don't year, really have an answer. What year did Doug get hit in the head with uh, the roof of uh, Olympic Stadium? Remember that? I don't remember that. I just remember Brad Actually, I don't think he got hit. What I do, I remember, though, so the Cubs were playing there, and part of the roof fell onto the field. And as a joke, uh, maybe it was before the next game, Doug was taking outfield, catching fly balls in the outfield with his helmet on. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Hello, for Doug DeCenzo, his helmet was one that the little you get the ice cream sundae in. I don't think it was a little, I know he gave a lot of protection. Yeah, good Robbins. Yeah, so Jerome is still the That's center the fielder in '91. Um, okay. Played 123 games that year. Hit 219. Uh, things were going bad. That was yep. quite a, quite a defensive outfield. They had 36 year old Andre Dawson in right and George Bell in left. Hey, the two of those guys could still hit the ball in 91. Bell had a good offensive. He was the they only were, one of Jim Fry's free signing that didn't suck. They were both all-stars, I believe. I know George was. Yeah, yeah I think you're right, yeah. Uh, let's see, George was an all-star, and Andre had a good year. I'm going to guess Andre was Yeah, well, he's 36, though. So yeah, I, this is Andre. Yeah, he had 31 homers and 104 RBIs, and he was Andre Dawson. Is it, is it Andre's last season with the Cubs or penultimate? He went penultimate. to Boston for one more. Fl- okay, so he didn't go to Boston until 93. So okay. He was an all-star in 91. And he finished 14th yeah. in the MVP voting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he, uh, he had a nice little bounce back after that 89 disaster. Yeah, there's Sed Landrum. Good. Uh, anybody else would have played a little center that year? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe Cleotha Walker got to run around out there as a utility player. Theo, good old Theo. Um. So then, speaking of George Bell, you know who the opening day center fielder was in 1992? Got to be Samuel Peralta Sosa, Samuel my friend, right? Peralta, who is the. Uh, so Obviously, an exciting, flashy player that probably could make a lot of catches, but had no like ability to read the ball or had a range and would suddenly to right. And before he got really big, was effective at cutting down base runners, but never was ever considered any kind of like a great outfielder as far as like running balls down. Sammy only played sixty-seven games that year because he broke his hand. Right? Was That's that the, year the ninety-two broke his hand? season. 
Yeah, 92. Yeah, he got hurt twice. He got hurt. I can't remember who hit him the first time. Wally Whitehurst hurt him the second time. But in between his first and second injury is when he came off the DL and hit all those homers against the Pirates and Doug Drabeck and Stan Belinda, and the Cubs were 49 and 51. This was brought up today, by the way, when I compared Cal Daniels' shot from the sniper being being equivalent to Trey Mancini's uh, frying pan incident in London. Um, a mediocre team that was hovering and then just needed to, you know, needed to be put out. But yeah, so um, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. Another center fielder on that team was uh, Panamanian sensation Fernando Ramsey. I don't know if you remember Fernando Ramsey, I'm giving that one to you. Now, I you know, really you know, a guy had a good career when Baseball Reference lists him as center fielder and pinch runner. Was he? Fernando the played 18 Wash- games for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, he stole no I, bases. He batted 120 with a 120 on base and a 120 slug. And for some reason, I remember him. Good old number you 39. Do. See, good for you. I remember Rolando I knew he Rooms. was from Panama. I not, and sure enough. I do not remember Fernando Ramsey. Although he did. Good he went you. to New Mexico State. Oh, probably a, big, probably a big Lou Henson fan growing up. Jimmy you know, Collins, Lou Henson, went to, went to New Mexico State. to said, wait, my who's bad. been gone and, for how long? Oh, shit. In my bad, Erlacher went to New Mexico, not yeah, New Mexico right. State. Yeah. All right, sorry. So, 1993, Jim Lefevre's well, in town. Yep. I know who their regular center fielder ended up being, but I don't know who their opening – oh, the opening day was the regular field guy. against the Braves. Was it Willie Wilson? Willie Wilson. Yeah. 37-year-old Willie Wilson in center field for the Cubs. Yeah, yeah of course. And we have, to, we have to mention this, and never come across this divide. Willie Wilson was part of the coterie of players in which Larry Himes justified letting Greg Maddox go by making the argument that quantity was equal to quality yeah. and that the Cubs had picked up uh, Randy Myers, who was admittedly the one quality signing, um, Dan Plesak, Candy Melmanato, Willie Wilson, and uh, fuck, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But uh, he was Willie Wilson was in his thirty-seven-year-old balls was definitely and our opening day center fielder. Now I remember going to some games in '93. The person that who ended up, I feel, I don't know what baseball reference says, but it feels like this guy ended up being the center fielder was the aforementioned and moment of silence, Dwight Smith. Is that who baseball reference puts as the regular? They have Willie. Let's see how many games Dwight played in center. Okay. And I just remember, like, Dwight Smith, he had hope for because he was such a great hitter. He played that's 53 okay. games in center. That's the most he ever that's played just, in center field. Yeah, that's my own memory. He was not the regular. But I just remember that so Dwight Smith was the runner-up to uh, Jerome Walton for rookie of the year, his teammate, in 89. Um and that was during a run in which the Cubs would have the runner-up for three straight years. And, and Dwight Smith was was and always would have been a solid left-handed bat, killed right-handed pitching, great hitter, smooth swing, great pipes, would sing the National Anthem before games, super fast, too. And this is what was frustrating about Dwight Smith. He was super fast, but A, a terrible base runner, yep. so it did him no good between home and home, and B, a terrible outfielder. Right. He just could not, like Sosa, he did way, but way worse. He just could not read the ball. So the speed did him no good. But because he was fast, and I'm just assuming Jim LaFever kind of subscribed to this sort of antiquated notion of, oh, you're fast and you have a glove, you should play center. Uh, Dwight Smith got to play 50-some-odd games in what's usually considered the most important outfield position. 
thought. I love Dwight yeah, Smith. Well, Dw- Dwight's speed allowed him to get out of position really fast. So that was good. Um, other guys to play right. center field for the Cubs. Eric Yelding played a game in center field. Former Astro? Yep. Eric Yelding? Yep. I don't remember him with the Cubs. Uh, let's see. Anybody else? Yeah. So, did Steve Lake came back. Did he play any center? No, he didn't. He just caught. <laughs> Willie. Steve Lake came back to 93. Did he play center? Well, I should have given him a shot out there. Did Sammy play any center in 93? I would think he probably yeah, did. Probably, he could have. He, I, I'm sure. I'm, 70 games. Yeah, he played yeah 70 games more than Dwight Smith. More than Dwight Smith, yeah. That was Sammy's first 30-30 season, uh, by the way. So. Minus 11 runs saved. No, that's not true, but not good. No, probably not. Yeah, but the 93 Cubs were cursed from the very beginning when, uh, what, seven games into the season, Sean Dunstan tried to – Tried to get Sean Dunstan Jr.'s uh, car seat out of the car and threw no. his back. That was that the, the beginning of the '92. No, that was the beginning of the '92 season. Oh. Well, that's right. '93. He came back and hit 400. He came he back was, and he was four, right. for, I, four I, for ten in seven I, games. I went. I went into great detail about an indelible right. memory being a decal of Dunstan winning a meaningless late season game in September, and Harry was as excited as he was on June 23rd, '84. Uh, because Dunstan was that kind of player. But, yeah, no, Dunstan was really not to be seen in 93 till the end of the year. Now, the 93 Cubs won 84 games. They were led by the great Rick Wilkins at 303 yeah. with 30 homers. Martin yeah, like Reese at 325. Sandberg had a good game. year, 309. Only hit nine homers. That's broken hand, Brian Sandberg? That's Sammy Sam- No, uh, yeah, came back late. Sammy had a 30-30 season. Got yep. a good year out of Greg Hibbard. First year without Maddox, but they still finished over 500. And then Jerry, and then um, they had Larry four, they had five double-digit winning pitcher winning pitchers. Yeah, and then Larry Larry Himes thought it'd be a good idea to fire his first manager after his second season, and in, in which he had showed progress yeah. and won more than he lost. Uh, there, was, there was a trade that happened in '93 that affects this conversation down the stretch. The Cubs, I think, considered themselves out of it, even though they finished 500, which was mostly because they had a hot September, which still was was portrayed as Mark Grace and the gang saving Jim Lefevre's job, which didn't happen. But the trade that occurred was uh, a pitcher the Cubs themselves had acquired down the stretch in '89 from Atlanta, Paul Asmag. Oh yes, uh, Paul Asmaker. And guess who the Cubs got for Paul Ostenmacher at the deadline in 1993? Who did they trade him to? Their opening day center fielder in 1994. Oh, Carl Tuffy Rhodes. There you go. So there you go, Larry Himes. You picked up Tuffy Rhodes, and we have a center fielder on opening day that's going to do something. And this is my first ever opening day. I've talked about it in great detail, uh, listeners, if you missed it. Find the 1994 season. Did many inappropriate things on our way in from DeKalb uh, and spent an entire day in the bleachers when Tuffy kept blasting home run after home run into the bleachers off of Doc Gooden. It's a game that uh, uh, Marquis loves to show. Yeah. They show it over and over again, even though the Cubs lost. Yeah, they did by like five runs, yeah. too. But Tuffy, there's your center fielder, three home runs in opening day. There's a, so you got Rick Monday and Leon Durham as All-Stars. You got uh, so, Jerome Walton as a Rookie of the Year. And so now you have Tuffy Road. To Tuffy played up. 95 games for the Cubs that year. How many home runs do you think he ended up with? Like eight. Eight. But then, he, had like a, he had another multi-homer game, though. Then, though, let's look this up. He went to Japan. And, whoo, Tuffy was a home run star in Japan. Let's see. Tuffy hit. Am I looking at the right column here? No, that's why. 
What do you got, Japanese baseball reference up? I do. He played for the, what are they, the Kintetsu, I want to see their nickname, the Osaka Kintetsu Buffaloes. And Tuffy Rhodes was one of their, you know, they only get a couple Americans. These are the home runs he hit. He was there for a long time. 27, 22, 22, 40, 25, 55, 46, 51, 45, 27, then he uh, he got did he get traded to Oryx? Are they did the he Buffalo not too? Oh, the team moved. They're still the Buffaloes. 42, 40, and 22. He played this until he was 40 years old. In Japan, he hit 464 home runs. Wow. That's incredible. He hit, how old you, was he in the 94 Cubs? How long was he in the 94 Cubs? No, how old was he? He was 25 for yeah. the Cubs. Oh, he was an actual prospect. Not that Come good. on, yeah. He stuck wow. around. He was there the next year too. Uh, started the season with him, and then what happened? Um, uh, oh, he got he got waived. He got waived in May oh. of '95. He got waved because he was 51. Red Sox old. picked him up. But yeah, that trade for the Paul Osmaker trade was a three-teamer. It was. It was the Royals. Yeah, I just remember the Yankees okay. and the uh, so the Yankees got Asamaker, the Royals got John Habian, and the Cubs got Tuffy Rhodes. No relaxation. W- Larry Hines won that trade. John Habian didn't hit three homers on opening day, ever. No. Screw that guy. Yeah, our Cubs center fielder did though. Who would not be our center fielder a year later? 1995 Cubs. So now we're ushering in the next era of mini stability since Bob DeNier left. Yep. So now we've gone from like 1987, we've gone almost a decade with all kinds of flat Sam. And we bring in, which, you know, talk about a low bar, because this guy's probably going to be in your final five of top five Cubs center fielders, but it's the uh, the Brian McCray era. Yeah, so they, they pull off a spring training trade, even though it was on April 5th. We talked because about that why? during the year because of the strike. Yeah. These everything yep. started late. Yeah, so it wasn't Cubs really traded late. their prospect perverts in 1995 would have been very upset. The Cubs traded Derek first round Wallace pick. Yep. and first round pick Gino Moronis, uh, yacht rock sensation. Gino, no, that's wait, Sergio Moroder. That's different. Um, for proven center fielder Brian McRae. Yes, he like was an actual, proven. Like an actual good trade. It was. It was a good trade by Adelaide, son of Hal McRae, who was on the 1980 Royals. Uh, he was a, just like Janier, a leadoff hitter, so you had an automatic. He rolled right into Chicago without any sort of um, growing pains. He was a proven player. Uh, he would bat right-handed against lefty Tom Glavin, which I always thought was strange, but he once got two hits in a game off of Glavin doing that. Or he, he batted lefty against Glavin, I should say. But anyway, for, for 95 and 96 – absolute stability he like a solid center field not great but like you know not dwight smith you know riding a unicycle out there set the table leadoff these are two other mediocre cubs teams 95 was just like 93 a team that sort of was 500 and actually did sort of had played meaningful games in the last week of the season much to the surprise of everybody which yeah, we talked about. talked about they wouldn't they wouldn't lose down the stretch they would not lose because they had those like 12 home games in a row and then uh, after 96, though, Brian McRae started expressing uh, sentiment in the newspapers, uh, 
outcomes weren't doing anything, which was true, of course, because they would start yes. the season 0-14. And McCray had a terrible 97 season. He eventually was shipped off in that weird post-waiver deadline deal in which Noah Rojas was also shipped off. We Turk Wendell was shipped, and we got uh, Lance Johnson. We got some pieces, whatever, that you know we can, we'll come back to. But from 95, 96, 97, that was the most stability that we had had in center field since Bobby Dernier, which isn't saying much. Yeah, three three seasons of relative competence in center field. Not even three, because he was dealt in August or whatever. Um, yeah, it's I actually it's one of the things I miss. I miss the ridiculous waiver trades where you had to like get guys through, and then you had to guess, and then it would leak out as to who who's cleared waivers and who got pulled back. Um, right. Then you had the ridiculousness, like the um, guys would get put on waivers and somebody would claim them to block them and then every once in a while would burn them like the Padres got like Randy Ma- with Randy, Randy Myers. Myers. They claimed him just yep. to keep him away from somebody else and then they had to keep him. Um, yep. This 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 trade, it's got to be one of the biggest waiver trades, at least of the of that era. Usually it was one it was one guy for one guy, usually. That's what a waiver trade was. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was six players. And it was three guys that the Cubs didn't want, and it was three guys that the right. Mets didn't want, and they like were in equivalent positions. Right. So like there was two center fielders. The Mets were sick of Lance Johnson. The Cubs didn't want Brian McRae. They're in the trade. <laughs> That's right. Um, the Cubs were trying to dump Mel Rojas's contract, which had turned out to be a disaster. Right. Uh, the Mets, although it was a starting pitcher, were trying to get rid of Mark Clark. So yep. They were more than happy to throw him in. And then they each had a weirdo they wanted to trade. So the Cubs traded Turk Wendell, and the Mets threw in Manny Alexander. <laughs> but the weird thing was they didn't all clear waivers at the same time. So the Manny and um, maybe it was just Manny. Yes, Manny Alexander was like the player to be named later. It took they had to put him on they put him on waivers to complete the trade, and he had to get through waivers. But it was not I don't think anybody was really concerned that Manny wasn't going to clear waivers, and he did. So he no. came over three days later. To complete the trade, he's like, "You think it's hard for me to clear waivers? I can't even clear a hotel lobby with." Uh, <laughs> I got a towel with eighty thousand dollars in it. <laughs> and then Manny, of course, uh, he's in the um, the Mitchell report, um, allegedly <clears throat> um, paying a uh, clubby to go uh, pick up a package of uh, anabolic steroids for him and uh, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of good that the steroids funny. did. Manny Alexander. It, it, it is funny career, that some of the players um, fifteen home runs in eleven years. Yeah. Right, he well, would only I mean, had like eleven home runs without the steroids, so it was worth. Right. True, but because of that trade, uh, the next two seasons, the starting center fielder for the Cubs was Lance Johnson. Yeah, the one dog, right? Although '98, he was hurt too much. So, like Brant Brown, our guy, yep. who will always be known because of the aforementioned Ron Santo making things about him, oh, no. even though the Cubs, you know, uh, even though the Cubs still went to the playoffs. Brant Brown, of course, had those three Friday walk-offs. Came up as like a first baseman that kind of looked like Mark Grace, but all of a sudden he's playing center field like most Fridays and most days yep. in '98 when Lance Johnson is convalescing. So, again, yeah, Lance Johnson, opening day center fielder, 98-99, but Brant Brown was kind of like the got us through that summer, and that was the playoffs this season. So, hey, Brant Brown is really the center fielder. I mean, Johnson came back for the playoffs, and, you know, of course, Brown's psyche was probably ruined after the, the drop in Milwaukee anyway. But And then Johnson was not a bad player. I think you pointed out one year he batted like 350 for the Mets or something. Um, 
Uh, yeah, decent outfielder, but he was, you know, whatever. He's like in his 30s. We're going to talk about Kenny Lofton when we get another decade into this. But, you know, kind of a late-stage veteran that, you know, for a team that all of a sudden was in the playoffs. And so, sure, I'm not going to. I'm not going to rag on the one dog, even though he missed most of the summer. It's it's funny. The year before the trade, 96, Lance hit 333 in 160 games. Like he wow. led, he had 227 hits. He led the National League in hits. He led at the year. He led the American League the year before with the White Sox, 186. At the time of the waiver trade, he was hitting for the Mets, uh, 309 with a 385 on base. Wow. Did he happen to have like a corn cob dress hanging out of his suitcase or something? That's odd. Uh, yeah, and he was a starting center fielder for the Cubs uh, also in 1999. He only played, he only yeah. played 85 games in 98, and he only played 95 games in 99. Yeah, he was hurt. Um, but when he was there, he was it was light. It's like, you know, you get glimpses like we had with Lofton or Denier. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, wow, look at that guy. He can range from left center to right field. Oh, he can, like, take a pitch and get on base or whatever. And that's Johnson when he was healthy. I, you know, I never not appreciated Lance Johnson's uh, baseball playing abilities for the Cubs. So he missed all those games in 99, but the Cubs were covered because they had Curtis Goodwin to play. Oh, I know Curtis. Uh, yeah. Not, not Tom, Tom Goodwin. I think Tom Goodwin only a lot worse. No. Right. Yeah. Um, Worst hitter. Let's see. Curtis probably better known as a red. Uh, although he didn't play yeah. well for them either. A little left. I, I, I know I was probably drinking a lot then. I was still single. I just, I, I know he played for the Cubs. Cole Porter probably played some center matter. for the Cubs, future Astros yeah, manager. Future Astro, yeah. Hit 192 for the Cubs. What year? Are we still on, uh, what, 90? 99. 7? 99, sorry. Okay. I just remember who the opening day center fielder was in 2000 in Japan. Yeah, my boy, my boy. He was a, also the uh, opening of center fielder in two thousand one. Sleeves, sleeves. D- Damon Buford. Damon Buford, who, who for some reason, part of the, no matter what the, the weather, and they weren't even good. He had like these. He had he wore like a long sleeve shirt under his uniform, but he cut the sleeves off. He could have just worn a sl- short sleeve shirt, like right, right at the elbow, and they just kind of hung there, ratty yeah. looking. It's like, all right, Damon, come on, spiff it up a little. Well, bit. And it, and he was also part of that uh, cohort of players that Ed Lynch liked to bring in because th- their parents played baseball. Right. 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 Tom Buford and uh, Starge Sr. There are a few others in there somewhere in there. Now, Damon was, uh, by this is by memory, Damon was a very good defensive center fielder. I think he was. Yeah, he was a small guy, so I don't think he had a great arm, but he had, I remember him having good range. Uh, he should not have been an everyday center fielder, though, for any team with no. a, any sort of pennant aspirations. That much I'll tell you. And he was uh, twice. He was uh, the everyday center fielder for 2000, the, 2001. For the 2000, no, he only played 35 games in 01, but he did start opening day. But the, the 1997 Texas Rangers, he had 224 for them. Okay. Uh, he, his yeah. 2000, he had 251 for the Cubs, 324 on base, which is bad. 390 slugging. He was underwhelming. He was a decent center fielder, so I'll take those numbers. Other center but, fielders to play on that team include... A great hope. Yes. 20-year-old Corey Patterson. Yeah. The great, it's the ridiculous hope, the hope. that they called him up when we're he was gonna, 20 years old. We're, we're going to correct the Lou Brock or whatever. Like, whatever. Like, uh, number, thir- number three pick in the draft? Not even Drew Walton was, had these types of hopes. Also, the that, that Cub team had uh, Tariq Brock playing 13 games. I remember... 
I remember I went to spring training in 2000. I remember seeing Tarek Brock hit a grand slam or something in a whole game. But sure. they also had another excellent defensive center fielder. Todd Dunwoody. I'm sorry, it's not 2001 yet. My bad. So, and another legacy player. Oh, who? Little Sarge. Right, Gary I Matthews, did mention Matthews. Gary right, Matthews right. Jr. played 80 oh. games. And well, this, this is this is pre-steroid Gary yeah. Matthews. He hit 190. Yeah. I'm going to have to pull up the 2000 Cubs because there's a third player whose dad played. That's what led us to believe that Ed Lynch was just phoning it in. <laughs> uh, let's see. Like, oh, I got your dad's number in my Rolodex. Yep. I know we talked about it. There's somebody else in the 2000. There is... Julio was allowed to play a little outfield for the Cubs. And it was that the year that he, went, that he got field. caught in the, in the vines and was going after the ball and just picking shit out of the... Yeah, because I always associate him more with... Uh, First base. Ross Glover. If he's in the played outfield. on those on those Cubs. Another guy. I kind of remind me of he was, another. He was a poor man's Brant Brown, who himself was a poor man's Mark Grace. That's how far we got. Yeah, Glode would have a lot more activity with the White Sox. Uh, ooh, that Still was looking the, for that was anybody. Willie that. Green here. Oh God. Uh, we Willie Green. And Shane Andrews. Are we? Are that, were we back to third base? Yeah. Well. I got flashbacks you know, just looking at Willie Green and Shane Andrews. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. At least they had Jose and Yamas that year. They did. In center field. No, he just had him. I don't know. So let's see, 2001, yeah, I, uh, the uh, Buford started, but, but the guy who played center field okay. the most for the Cubs that year was Gary Matthews Jr., and he okay, really tuned up the have... offense. He wasn't going to hit 190 again. He hit 217. Hot damn. But, you know, now we're in the era where the front office, desperate to prove they know what they're doing with prospect development, is trying to prove that, like, Corey Patterson's 2000 season at West 10 was not like a, you know, a setback or a blip. Why, and they continue why, to let, push him, him forward. why let him repeat yeah. a level and, and figure it out? Right. Just promote him regardless. Right. Right, they're like, hey, he looks so good at Lansing and in rookie ball, and let's just ignore the stop sign because it's like year seven here, and Ed Lynch is about to get fired anyway, and he would during the 2000 season. But Patterson came up in 2000, he came up in 2001, and he had a homer off of Roy Oswalt in an important game. Like, he had flashes, um, but he just was so damn young. And, and, and that, but they were insistent that in 2002, if I could just take the segue because he definitely was the uh, opening day center fielder and synergy fielder, whatever they call it. Uh, John Lieber coming off his uh, 21 season was the starter. Patterson would get off to a nice start. He had like five or six RBIs in that opening day, and he would the next year too against the message day, but, or city field, but, or whatever. Uh, in 02, he quickly just crashed. He ended up getting like 600 at-bats, but it was bad, right? Corey Patterson's yeah. 02. He was definitely the everyday center fielder in 02. Oh three, he was opening day, but he got injured. Like so, he's so now we're back to someone that's going to be there at least more than a year and a half. Right. So far, we've got Dernier McCray, and now we're at Corey Patterson. Because even David Buford doesn't qualify. But I found your other legacy on the two thousand one Cubs. The most obvious Who was one. Was that? Because I was looking at two thousand. Oh yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Your dad. He, he. I just saw the Costco. Your dad. He. Uh, he bugged me. Yeah, that's that, that's how Ed Lynch was signing players. <laughs> the rebel rebel called up Ed, see if he could get a job for his boy. Hey, and, he, and Ed Lynch is like, I kind of remember Todd. you. Todd needs 
Coke doesn't grow on trees. He needs some. He needs some scratch. Well, it kind of does, doesn't it? Does. it? It's it a leaf, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. Corey is the the uh, opening day center fielder, two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, and two thousand five. Four years. He, he's the longest, not the longest even, run. Not even Brian McRae. Okay. Um, since Bob and, and does he all? Does he also uh, exceed Dernier as far as games played? Because Dernier, again, outside of that 140 plus in 84, barely scratched 125. So that's, uh, yeah. Let's see. No, because Corey, other than, I mean, he got benched, but other than 2003, he was healthy. So he played 2002, 153 games, 03, 83, 04, 157, 05, 026, and then he was an Oriole. <laughs> that went fast. Yeesh. So, um, yeah, so he plays, he plays four years and they, they don't go great. Uh, let's see with those four seasons combined, Corey hits 256, 296, 420, 64 homers. Cool. And he strikes cool. out, uh, is this a bad ratio? He had 505 strikeouts to 102 walks. Is that That's bad? Oh my God. You lead off, and they kept um, leading him off because he was fast. Two ninety six yeah. on base. I'll always remember that when they got Nomar, uh, July thirty first, two thousand four. After we helped engineer that, right? Um, but the uh, the very next day, Baylor put or Bay, D- Dusty put um, Patterson at leadoff, and and Nomar too. And then for the next three weeks, Patterson like hit the hell out of the ball. He was awesome. And like whatever, what happened those two weeks? But then like it totally stopped. But because it took Dusty so long yeah. to like recognize it, like so for like five weeks, there's just a hole at the top of the lineup uh, with all these great players on that team. Nothing against Patterson; he was put in a spot where he could succeed, and that's pretty much the story of his Cub career. I think somebody brought up. I I will go to my grave believing that that it's it is entirely plausible that if he had been come up through the Atlanta Braves organization. Yeah. Because he did end up having a nice statistical career. He was a colossal disappointment. He's a little bit like Sean Dunstan, no offense. Hey. But like in the fact that they had very high expectations, a raw natural talent that I think the I was, we brought it up. I feel Both like the in 85 brought up Dunstan a little too yeah. soon, yeah. And that retarded his progress. I can say that because it's in contextual. It slowed down his progress. And Patterson for sure. Like it was because he ended up having a long career because he had enough natural athletic skills to be useful but it was nowhere near what what you envisioned and i do believe it's something that could have happened if the right organization was able to really sort of nurture him better certainly with the cubs i mean that's the one so here's actually and he did he had a really good first 10 games but here was his august this is you know nomar arrives on august 1st this was august 2004 for Corey patterson he hit 336 with a 388 on base and a 605 slugging, eight homers and 18 RBIs in August. Wow. So Nomar shows up and he unlocks Corey Patterson. And Corey's going to yep. be an all star. And let's see, what happened in September? Because we know what happened to the Cubs. Yeah, we do. And it wasn't good. I don't blame Dusty for that now. That's an incredible. I just thought it was a couple weeks. And here's September. 
I hit 191 with a 250 on base and a 373 crazy. slug. He struck out 45 times and 126 at bats. He cratered. I do blame Dusty because he still could have adjusted two weeks in. He didn't have to take the one month of aberration over the two weeks of reality. He, uh, I just remember, and because they didn't bottom out till the end, that could have made a difference. Yeah, if, if so you're right. Dusty hadn't that. been leading him off. Um, he hadn't let off since he hadn't let off all year. He batted either second, seventh, or th- there's a third in there. Nomar shows up and he installs him as the leadoff hitter, and he takes off. <laughs> And then he yep. starts to struggle in September, and so Dusty, of course, moves him back down in the... Nope, just kidding. Dusty leads him off every single game the rest of the year, even though he has a 195 on base. <laughs> couldn't understand why that team couldn't score any runs. Huh. I <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dusty. Hey, what damage did he do to that kid then, too, you know? Like, man. Like, he could have made him successful. He could have, all right, let's pull him out of there. I mean, I don't know who else they would have put Nomar at lead off. Fuck. Anybody. Just not Corey. Uh, a decent outfielder, I should say. Yeah, you know, he was a good defense. He had a good yeah, arm. He was, he was fast he, and he had a good arm, and he actually knew what he was doing. He was a little guy, but he had a good arm. But he was, uh, yeah, he was a third pick in the draft. He grew up, you know, around the Atlanta area, and just uh, and we got a lot out of him, and he does qualify here. He's in the team photo in my book right now, having the thrustest with Denier McCray. As far as like a quasi-regular, now we got Corey Patter. Oh, far from what we hope. So that was quite a draft class, 1998. The first pick of the draft was Pat Burrell. Pat Second was Pat Mark Pat Mulder. The third was Corey. Ooh, from South Carolina. And the Royals got stuck with Jeff Austin. That didn't work. The Cardinals drafted J.D. Drew. Other wow. First, other first-round picks. Who, who, Austin who didn't sign? J.D. Drew didn't sign, right? Right? Isn't that the story? Or he did sign. He hadn't signed the year before with the Phillies. He was back in the That's draft. what it was. And then the Cardinals got him a 98 start. Yeah. Okay. Who was that after? And they ended up trading him. So how about that? They trade him however it's for Adam Wainwright. Fucker's oh. still pitching, even not well. No, as we saw on Saturday. They traded him for with Eli Marrero. Remember Eli Marrero? I do. The, I had him on my history team. He has shredded his knee in right field at Ringland Mother's Day. On Mother's Day in a monsoon. They had to take out that weird little cart. He had to, like, yes. sit on this cart and bring him in. So I remember this. We're at my brother and my, my sister's house. My brother-in-law is a Cardinal fan. And my dad and I are laughing. It's just the most hilarious thing we've ever seen. And my brother-in-law not enjoying this. Because Eli Marrero would actually – he was supposed to be their catcher. Like, he was he the was. catcher of the future. And like, they had him out in right field and right he blew field. out his knee. And it ruined his career. Exactly. Uh, let's see. They uh, the Cardinals got Ray King, Jason Marquis, and Adam Wainwright. And Adam Wainwright is still that was that trade was twenty years ago, and he's still pitching. Not well, wow. but he's still pitching. No, no. no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, let's see other first rounders after Austin Kearns, Sean Burrows. Remember, he was supposed to be a thing. He was Jeff Burrows' kid. Yeah, Jeff Burrows' kid. Yeah, the Padres. Yeah. Uh, future Cub Carlos Pena. Uh huh. Wow. Uh, what is that's pretty. That's Jeff pretty Weaver. Kip Wells, Brad Lidge, C.C. Sabathia, 20th pick in the first round, C.C. Sabathia. All of you remember when Kip Wells was the, the Sox answer to Kerry Wood? Bubba Crosby. Was the first letter Kerry yeah. and the last W. Uh, let's see, Aaron Rowland was a supplemental, was like a sandwich pick in the first round. Wow. And then uh, the 43rd pick in the first round by the New York Yankees out of University High School in San Diego, California, Mark Pryor. Who said, oh, no, nope, I'm going to, to USA because I want to be yeah. a Cub someday. 
That's what Mark told him, I'm sure. I'm going to be a Cub. They'll screw up my career. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, 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 you know, we we actually kind of skipped over a center fielder when we jumped to Corey Patterson's uh, 2004, right? Because yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Okay. Corey was Corey was not there for a playoff team. Yeah, 2000, the 2003, the a guy who, if you were actually listing like the best Cub center fielders and didn't want, didn't put like a a playing time minimum on it, uh, right? Is, Almost like Lance Johnson is Kenny Lofton, the the other guy in the Aramis Ramirez trade, who did nothing but hit from the moment he got to the Cubs. He played 36 games. No, he played 56 games. He was 36 years old. He played 56 games. He hit 327 with a 381 on base, a 471 slug. He stole 12 bases in 16 attempts. And then in the playoffs, the little fucker was on base to start every game, it seemed like. Um, Against the Braves, he hit 328 with a 348 on base percentage. And against the Marlins, he hit 323 with a 382 and I think, uh, if not for the Steve Bartman Alice Gonzalez combo, um, it's MVP. either the MVP is either the MVP of the NLCS is either Sammy Sosa, Kenny Lofton, or Mark Bryant. Yeah, and it's probably Kenny. He was amazing in that series. He he scored like the first run in every game. Like he would just get on base and he would score and he would get him going. So clearly, we're, we're dedicating this portion of the podcast to quality over quantity because you said 56 games. Yeah, that's all he played for the Cubs. And there was a um, – he was he was in the mercenary phase, right? Like, he had been a great player for the Indians for how many seasons? Ten Mid-90s, seasons. yeah. Early, He's a borderline early, Hall of Famer for the, yes. for the Indians. He great, great center 300 fielder, batting huh? average, 375 on base, 426. Like, he was a good defensive yeah. outfielder. Played in the final four with Steve Kerr for Correct. Arizona. Correct, 1988, yeah, Sean Elliott, yeah. Um, he was an all-star in Cleveland. Uh, the last three years he was there, he gets in the ultimate um, challenge trade, he gets traded for um, Marquise Grissom, right, to go to the Braves? Yes, that was the Braves-Indians trade where Grissom was on the 97 Indians that almost won the World Series, and Kenny was not. Yep. But Kenny, Kenny goes, came back to Kenny there. goes back to Cleveland and he makes um, two more All Star teams. Then um, in ni- 2002, he becomes a he's becomes a free agent, and I believe he signed with the Giants and then ended up with the White Sox. Right? He did. Like, yeah. He splits a lot of seasons. Then he signs with the Pirates and he goes to the Cubs. Um. The Cubs, of course, have no interest in re-signing him after 2003 because they have Corey Patterson, and him and Kenny and Sammy didn't like each other, so that didn't. Um, Kenny not fond of the bullshit that you have to put up with with Sammy, so that didn't work. Right, then, right, right, right. Then he went to the Yankees, then he went to the Phillies, then he went to the Dodgers. Um, the Phillies? Kenny Lawson was on the Phillies? On the 2005 Phillies. He played 110 games, he had 335 for them. Wow. And he finished up with the Rangers and Indians in uh, 2007. I don't know who he started with. Yeah, he he finished with the Indians, one of those, hey, come on home. 
His transaction page is pretty long. The Indians traded for him in July to get him back, and he finished his career there. You're a, it's a oh, yeah, his trade. Here's how good he was. Um, the, the 97 trade, it was in spring training. Here's him and Alan Embry for Marquise Grissom and David Justice. Wow. And then he just signed as a free agent the very next year and went right back to the Indians. Can I just quickly bring it full circle since you bring up an Alan Embry reference? He was a left-hander that was kind of effective for a while. And when I got my Corey Patterson hopes up, it was at watching a game on TV in spring training in 2000 in Mesa where a 20-year-old Corey Patterson got around on an Alan Embry pitch and hit a home run. And I was like, wow. Like, that can destroy. And then he would go on to have a great season and – Lansing and then be the youngest player in Arizona Fall League and then Don Baylor and them could not start up about how great he was and got into his own head. Anyway, just wanted to bring that up that it was Alan Embry, a proven veteran left-hander uh, off of whom I saw Patterson hit a home run in spring training that really got me on the Corey Patterson juice. If I could bring that full circle. So I was just looking at uh, Kenny's most similar batters list and I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. It's like Tim Raines is on it, that makes sense. Um, Ichiro is on it. Uh, and then Ken Griffey. I'm like, wow. And then he goes, most similar by age. It's like Rudy Law at 26, Lonnie Smith at 28. And then there's Griffey, 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 Dom DeMaggio, wow. Griffey, Griffey, Griffey. And then I realized that's Ken Griffey Sr. That's not Ken oh. Griffey Jr. Because he was a contemporary, <laughs> literal contemporary of Ken Griffey Jr. I'm like, wait like, a minute. Any, I'm like, how, anything, how did they wait all these? Like, Junior was hitting like 40, 50 right. home runs. Oh, right. That's a great. That's, was, a, that's hilarious. It was Ken Senior. Because, it, it wasn't Ken Junior. Because if anything, uh, uh, Lofton was probably handicapped by playing in the same league as Ken Griffey yeah. Junior. Right. Comparatively, he was obviously nowhere near the offensive player, but probably every bit the defensive player. And just yeah. So yeah, Cubs center fielder Kenny Lofton, almost almost a Cubs World Series center fielder. Yep. So. That puts him in the book, even though he only played 56 games. Puts him um, in the conversation, almost. Then we get to uh, 2006, and my favorite uh, opening day center fielder. Oh, is it Juan Pierre? Yes, Juan Pierre, yes. The, mother, the, mother, the motherfucker who killed the Cubs in 03 and then was rendered completely fucking useless, but for the fact that he stayed healthy enough to be the first Cub to get 200 hits since Ryan Sandberg. Like he did nothing right, and then he gets to make off with that kind of a of a recognition. Yeah. He was a shitbag. He did nothing but bring heartache. Um, I wish nothing but ill will on Juan Pierre and rolling his baseballs down the baselines and grounding <laughs> out to second base at ten times the rate that Jason Hayward would eventually do. Yeah, he um, fuck him. Len Casper had been with him in Florida and had a fondness for Juan and we got to hear all kinds of stuff and the, my, our favorite of course was when he said he liked to roll his balls down the foul lines before games. Uh, I, I, somewhere on Decipio there's a column I wrote about Juan where I went through and looked and he led the league in outs like eight years in a row or something. It's like, oh, it's great. Yeah. He's healthy. He plays every game. He leads off and he, 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 his career on base average was 343. His one year with the Cubs it was 330. So I was saying, eh. He led the league in caught stealings one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Thanks a lot, Juan. Yeah. Uh, led the league in stolen bases uh, three times. 200 hits one, two, three, four times. He had 196 for the Dodgers the year after he left the Cubs. Of course. 
Um, yeah, he was just... Yeah, he was too... He had a terrible arm, and they had him playing next to Jack oh, Jones, yeah. who also had a terrible arm. So right, everybody, right, right. anybody on second base automatically scored on any kind of base hit. It was you know, yeah. it didn't matter. There was there was going to be no play at the plate unless you wanted to watch the ball roll through the grass for five minutes. Yeah, I I get it. He's a World Series winner. He was probably a good center fielder with the Rockies and Marlins early in his career. Cubs got him too late, and after he'd already hurt us, and then he just hurt us more by his absolute just woeful play. Uh, and then it just makes me more annoyed that he did had some success even after he left. He didn't know he's like Benito Santiago from nineteen ninety nine. Just I remember somebody yeah, making a big deal out of the fact that in the Cubs was part of this. He had oh, I can see it one two three four five five years. He had more than he had more than six hundred and fifty at bats. Yeah, well, that's yeah, great. because he leads off and he never walks. So, of right. course, he has a lot of at-bats. Is, 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 yeah. Is that something to be celebrated? I mean, he didn't strike out. I mean, 38 strikeouts for Cubs against 32 yeah. walks. And, and, you know, in his defense, a lot of those uh, grounders to second didn't result in double plays because, A, he was fast, and, B, because they were too softly. Yeah, hit. he just never so, hit the, He didn't hit the ball hard. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't all bad. But that – and it was probably fine ranging the balls, but you're right. He had no arm. He was like a midget out there. And then this is also overlapping the time that Jacques Jones comes along, which is also the time where a tribute company finally snaps out of their 20-year slumber because they're ready to sell the team. And, they, you know, it's that weird period. How does this affect center field? Well, if it's not Juan Pierre, you already mentioned it. Jacques Jones in center field until – I don't know. Did they throw Matt Merton out there too? Well, right. I, I don't know. Like, what, no. It, all, you got to remember this. So, the, so uh, Juan's Cub career only lasts one year. 2007, opening day center fielder. Remember the grand plan? Yeah. It's Alfonso Soriano. That's right. That's right, for like 20 games. Yeah, and he pulled a hamstring. And they moved left. And then they moved into right. the and they moved into left field, and Jock played center, which was just a That's terrible. That's why. Okay. We also yeah, got 87 yeah. games out of Felix P.A. that year. Hot prospect, the next Corey Patterson. Now that we've run Corey Patterson off the farm, now we got Felix PA. But uh, 2007, Alfonso Soriano. I need to look at his splits. Um, because he starts off okay, but then gets hurt. Comes back in May, and he's no longer um, the center right, fielder. Center field. and he has a really this good May. He has a great June. Then he slumps well, off, for a couple of months. Offensively, he took the Cubs to the playoffs in September. And then in September, in 28 games, Alfonso Soriano hit 14 home runs. Yeah. And a bunch of them to lead off games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he was much of a leadoff hitter either, but he was a much better leadoff hitter than the center fielder. Although he was not an ideal leader. 14 homers, 27 RBIs, hit 320, 354 on base, and a 754 slug. Slugged them into the playoffs and then. I think in two seasons with the Cubs in the playoffs, he got one hit. I think that's yeah, right. yeah, Aramis also. They all, but of course, they I mean, all they barely spent any time there. They only played six games. Uh, <laughs> they just yeah. couldn't win. So the, you, looked, didn't, you didn't get yeah. a lot of reps. You didn't have much yeah. of a chance to, to get back to back playoff teams. Uh, but oh, still, I was even, so these are three hits and two playoff right. appearances. But these are back to back playoff teams loaded with talent but still can't figure out center field. Not that that was their downfall in these particular years, but just it's it's, it's telling. Um, oh, Reed wait, Johnson, no, no, no. The, the 08 Cubs figured out center field eventually with Lassie. 
Uh, right. Jim that's Evans what I'm rode in and had a ridiculous. Oh. Um, right. A, 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 a death rattle of his career with yeah. the Cubs. Exactly. Which is great. He had a walk off against the Braves when they were wearing old timey uniforms in June of that year. I'm pretty sure. Probably the video. Whales, right? And they had their Whales uniforms. Yeah, there. I think it was the Whales uniforms. Um, and he was the only, he was the closest approximation to a useful center fielder down the stretch. So that's what we got out of Jim Edmonds, which is fine. It was cool. And he was a good outfielder as much as we load this whole aura. Uh, but he was past his prime, but he was part of that team. That team was loaded with talent, but that's what we had at center field. They were trying to, you know. So uh, Jim Edmonds, with the uh, he gets traded to the – the Cardinals finally give up on him after 07. He has kind of a – he has a mediocre – he was super productive for them in a, a very annoying kind of way. Um, his last really good year for them was 2004. They went to the World Series, got swept by the Red Sox. He had 42 homers, 111 RBI. Wow. Was he on the 06 team, though? Because that's the team that actually won an ill-gotten World yes, Series. Yes, he, he was on the 06 team. He only played 110 games. There. He was starting to get injury-prone. He was starting in to get, yeah. In 08, he got those, traded, I think, yeah, to the yeah. Padres for Ryan Ludwig. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. I remember Ryan Ludwig. Wow. No, David Freeze. Oh, David Freeze, who just turned down the, his the Cardinal home. Hall of Fame. He doesn't want, didn't want to go. Why not? Are they too old? Not worthy. Wasn't worthy. Oh. He was an alcoholic when he was with the Cardinals, and even though he hit the biggest home run that they'll have, and he's a local, they'll ever and have he's hit a again because they're never going to win it again. Right, and he's uh, a local guy. Yes, he won't go. Uh, so anyway, so Edmonds uh, gets released after only like seven games with the Padres. I lost the stats here. That's great. That yeah, that's fine. Screen. No, a lot more than that. Uh, 26. Uh, we all, I could see it coming. Like, it's like, oh, fuck. Because the Cubs had a gaping hole in center field. Felix P. had started the year. He was their leadoff. It was their opening day. He busted out. Fielder. It wasn't going to work. Cubs need a center fielder. Oh, fuck, we're going to get Jim Edmonds, the guy we hate more yeah. than anybody. And he's going to come, right. and he's going to suck because he can't play. The pad, He was barely, like, falling down in the outfield with the pod. Right. It's going to be terrible. That's right. Comes the Cubs, uh, plays 85 games for them, hits 256, 369 on base, 568 slug, 19 homers, 49 RBIs. Wow, 19 homers, damn. And he was Must so impressive in 08 with the Cubs that he didn't play in 09. And then yeah. he came back with the – he finished up with the uh, the Brewers, and I didn't remember this. He played his final games with the Reds. Wow. Game games with the games with the 2010 Reds. NL Central bingo. Yeah. No Pirates, Jim? But – yeah, good old – So where does that put us now? So where does that put us now? 2009, it's the it's the 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 calm after the storm. Pinnell is still there, but the dust settles. Who's our center fielder in 2009? He was your right fielder in 2008. Matt Merton? No, wait. What am I saying? I'm his, you still see his jersey. If you, you go to a Cub game, you will see at least one of these. Oh, Kosuke. Kosuke Fukudome. He had to move to center because uh, guess who came in to play right field? Play it on me. Milton Bradley. Oh, that's right. That was Jim. That was the big. Got to get more left-handed. Too many lefties. That was their whole. Not, not enough lefties. Yeah. Had to get left-handed. Okay. The Poske, who was the hero on opening day in 08, but then whatever, and then now moves to center. It was uh, so. I'm guessing Poske was our guy for a couple years in center, right? Nope. And these are these are now the last days of the tribute. Well, remember, Milton. Before the year even ends, Milton gets sent home. Right. He's Kosuke's gone. Poske's back to so, right field then. Back to right. All right. Uh, but there are some other notable center fielders on this on this team because I don't know that Milton was hurt a lot and then he just sucked. Um, yeah. 
But other center fielders, um, Sam Fold played oh, center field for the yeah. uh, for the 09 ran, ran into a wall, I think, or was that Ben Grieve? Maybe it happened. That was Ben Grieve, and he cut himself and bled all over his sunglasses. I thought Fold may have done something similar, but could be wrong. Uh, the dearly departed Ryan Friel. Oh, and his friend Farney. Farney oh, played center mouth. for the Cubs. Uh-huh. Um, oh, one of uh, uh, six games. 39 years old, but one of Pat Hughes's favorite players, former Cardinal, Japanese outfielder, So Taguchi. He said, man, that guy is so Taguchi. Which is actually funny, especially for Pat. Uh, And then a guy who was more famous for jumping over a car. Oh, Joey Gathright. Joey Gathright. How did they not win more games with that? They also had Jake Fox. He played everyone. I'm sure they probably played Jake Fox in center field for a while. Might as well. Ugh. Yeah. My sentiments, exactly. The 2010, they brought in a new center fielder. And he was he would he would be the opening day center fielder also in 2011. David DeJesus? Nope. You're, you're a couple years I, too I'm early. Too I'm too soon, yeah. Oh, Marlon Bird, all-star. He was their lone all-star. Yes, Marlon Bird. Heavy, heavy-legged Marlon Bird. We have another Cubs center field all-star. This is great. Rick Monday, Jerry, not Rick Monday, but Jim Morales, Leon Durham, and Marlon Bird. Yeah. All right. And they would trade the him. And he got traded in 12. And is that when, he, when did he flunk his drug test? I don't remember. I don't remember that. I just like, like how is he a center field? He looked like a, I love Marlon Bird. He was an all-star. He's a nice little hitter. Uh, but he looked like a fire plug. Like another, it seemed like another mismatched center fielder. Is it, was he always a center fielder, like with the Phillies and stuff? Must have been. I think he was. He doesn't fit the profile. The right? That's the see. most polite thing I can say. In his career, he played. Um, yeah, he played every game in the outfield, and the, he played 849 games in center, 460 in right, and 246 in left. He was so. primarily a center fielder. Yeah. All right. Um, didn't doesn't grade out terribly good defensively. Uh, defensive okay. runs saved oh. uh, minus eight for his career in center. Can't say I'm surprised. Uh, kind of a but still big boy. Uh, well, he see. well he was six foot. He, I felt like he was like five six. But yeah, two forty five. He was chubby. He played one hundred fifty two games. You know. He was he was the center fielder. He's an all-star. And he yeah, got to finish up and play his last 37 games for Mike Quaddy. Yeah. He's surging. Lou, at the Cubs were 51-74, and 74, and Lou said, eh, what do you yeah, want me to do? I'm really Fuck old. it. I'm going to go home. Mom's old. not feeling good. I'm going to go home. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was his excuse to go home and float in the pool. This is fine because we were all we were all sort of exhausted with the expo- after, after all of it, just crashing down after 07-08. We needed a reboot. And Tribune finally sold the team, and then Sam Zell sold the team. And even though the weirdo inbred hillbillies from Nebraska bought it, they did have Theo Epstein fall into their lap. And then what happens there beginning, what, are we in 2012 now? Are we in the Theo era for Cub center fielders? Uh, we're going to be a lot. And, we actually, we missed a guy in 08 and 09. I don't oh. know how I missed him. Um, Reed Johnson was a Cub in 08. Yeah, I, I kind of tried to bring him up earlier. I mean, he had two different tours with the Cubs, yes. too. He had the diving catch in Nationals Park where his, uh, the brim of his hat <laughs> was up. the brim of his hat back. 
very uh, fun player. I think most Cub fans will remember Reed Johnson finally. Never really an everyday center fielder, but there for many chunks and around some good teams. So um, if anyone wants to talk shit about Reed Johnson, they can they can talk to me because I'll I'll set them straight. Well, yeah. So Bird and uh, Tannen, then um, he is the uh, he's Mike Quaddy center fielder in twenty uh, eleven. And then does he get traded that year, or does he finish and then just leave? I don't remember. My... I mean, he's like thirty three at that point. Oh yeah, he gets traded uh, to the Red Sox. Um, okay. For, for Michael Bowden. Yeah. Pitcher, right? I believe he's. A I'll take your I'll take your word for it. And a player named later who turned out to be Hunter Savenka. So that turned out great. Is that a sort of decaffeinated coffee? <laughs> oh, Marlon Burns. Now, yeah, now we're in 2012, and we're in the Dale Svayam era. That's I a couldn't even tell you that. And the Cubs have a brand new... Oh, the, the, they, I said that. one big right. free agent signing. I remember how excited I was to be at opening day 2012 and say this is not the first time the Cubs lead-off hitters named DeJesus. Yep. Just happened to be a center fielder, not a shortstop. Right? David DeJesus? David DeJesus. He yeah. would end up moving to right field and playing most of his games there because they brought up scrappy oh, little oh, Tony Campana. Who gets credited games. with more. Yeah, he gets credited as the center fielder on record in 2012. How about that? The diminutive Tony Campana. Wow. He was, so, he yeah. was Nick Madrigal esque. Um,. In his first 174 at-bats, he had 46 hits, 40 of them were singles, 6 doubles, 5 RBIs, and he hit 264, 308, 299, but there's a big difference. In those in those 174 bats he stole 30 bases in 33 attempts. Oh, another Bobby Dernier. He was fast. As yeah, sure. uh, a year later... Um, Inside the park, Homer Wrigley? Was that it? Yeah, what's or his name? Um, Yonder Alonso. Oh, playing sure. out of position. Ties into that. Yeah. yeah, it all works out great for the Cubs. He did, a couple of things worked out great for the Cubs with Yonder Alonso. So he, him and him and uh, Joey Votto are both on the Reds, and only one of them could play first base. So they put Yonder in left, and Tony hits what should have been a double into the corner, and Chubby Yonder couldn't find the ball, and Tony circle the bases for a home run uh, then a couple of years a few years later a couple of years later maybe the next year the Reds are like alright fine we can't have both of you guys so they trade him to the Padres which makes the Padres now have an extra first baseman makes so Rizzo they trade him to the, the Cubs and it's Anthony yeah. Rizzo yeah how about that um, okay so the 2012 Cubs you get uh, you get a lot of Tony Campana and David DeHaste from center field but you also get Former number one draft pick, Brett Jackson. Oh, Cub, former Cub number one draft pick. Yes. Oh, my God. He, his latest 2012. Wow. I remember having high hopes for Brett Jackson and Nick Jackson and other guys in the wake of Corey Patterson and Felix VA. The thing that disappointed me about uh, Brett Jackson's uh, one season with the Cubs is that he came one strikeout short of striking out in 50% of his at-bats. He struck out right? 59 times in 120 at-bats. I never would have – I remember Brett Jackson as a prospect. I never would have guessed that he would have gone to the batter's box 
142 times as a Cub in the 2012 season. Now, there was not a whole lot going on. They didn't have... Uh... Well, I mean, if I was younger and more of a prospect, I would have been excited because he was a, at one point, a legit prospect. He was a very prospect. toolsy player. Like, he could do everything except make yeah, consistent contact. And that's kind probably of, like that, that kind the of limits. 70% of center fielders flush out. <laughs> I mean, if you think a guy striking out like 30% of the time is bad, he was Imagine 50. 49%. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. It's well, completely unplayable. I'm... Like, he was a good defensive center fielder. He was fast. He was a left handed bat yeah. that had power in the minors, and he was useless. Yeah. Completely useless. Yeah. It's funny how that works. And he moved fast. He went from the first round. He was a first round pick in nine, 09. He's in the big leagues in 12. So after yeah, so it's not just that two old. full seasons in the minors, he's in the big leagues. And he would only yeah. play seven more big league games ever two years later for the Diamondbacks. He, he got done. flushed out quick. Yeah, he got figured out quick. That's interesting. Uh, wow. I'm look at unlike, minor uh, league numbers here to see if there was. Unlike Mike Talkman, who takes forever to get to the majors, does a bunch of interesting things for a few years. Now he's 32. Like. It's funny, like Jackson made it up pretty quick, like you point out. He just they figured out he couldn't do it or something. Because it's not like you know, unlike Corey Patterson, they didn't give him chance after chance, but they just figured out. Yeah, I mean that forty nine percent strikeout rate is probably. I think. I think I don't. His Cal numbers aren't on here. I think he struck out a lot in college. Okay. Like with I remember that well, there, there was a reason the guy with that kind of tools was the thirty-first pick. He wasn't, you know, he was like the end of the first round, and it was yeah. like this guy doesn't make enough contact. And the Cubs were like, ah, we'll fix him. No, well, they didn't. Right, right, exactly. The ego. Yeah, this is the Cubs team. This is well, it's well, it's sort of late stage. I don't know. I'm not really sure who's in charge here too. When they drafted him in 08, though, it was definitely I guess Jim Henry still. So, so he's the thirty-first pick. The 25th pick turned out to be pretty good. It's Mike Trout. What year? What year? Uh, 10. Nine. 2010 Nine. is in shock. And it's funny. That's I've a... always thought this. So the Cubs, you know, they have the great year in 08 where they win 90-whatever games. If there was ever a Jim Hendry draft pick, it was Mike Trout, right? Like, the tools he looks for, that's the guy he would have wanted to pick. And because like they Harvey? had such a good record... Even though he fell to the 25th pick, the Cubs were still six picks later. Like, they couldn't pick him. Wow. I'm sure they just screwed him up somehow. But The, the Cubs won rare team of 97 wins that, but, didn't, like, that didn't have a lead for but four innings in the playoffs. But how about this? So the, the Angels actually had, because they had a comp pick from a free agent that signed somewhere. So um, the Angels had the 24th and the 25th pick. They take Trout with the 25th pick. The 24th pick, they took Randall Gritchick. Wow. They clearly had him ranked ahead of Mike Trout. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they lucked out. They got both. Future Cub Shelby Miller was the 19th pick. God, I forgot the Cubs gave him another life preserver this that's, year. That's a, this is a rough draft. Strasburg went one. Obviously, that worked out because he won a World Series for the Nationals. Zach Wheeler was the sixth pick for the Giants. They eventually traded him for Carlos Beltran. Uh, AJ Pollock is still playing. Yeah, but there's a lot of bad in this first round. So nothing compared to that. Uh, what was it 76 draft? I can't remember what it was. You had earlier in all kinds of players. I don't know. We had that one star-studded draft. I don't yeah, I don't know what it was. 
Have to read this one. All right, so DeJesus is the center fielder in 12, gets moved to right field, but in 13, he's back in center on opening day. On opening day, okay. Year two of uh, Theo's uh, rebuild. And year, and year two of uh, of Dale. I'm, the end yeah, of Dale. I'm, blacking, I'm blacking out. I'm not following. I don't know who it is, except uh, there is one guy, but he didn't. I, just, I looked him up because I wanted to cheat. And he, and he did play a little bit of center field for the 2013 Cubs, so I'd like to bring him up. Junior Lake? Yes! Would you read my mind? I just look, and there's, there he is. Dave Sapelt, too, was on Dave Sapelt's another one. Wow. Now we're getting to the current Dave era. Dave who they got for the great Sean Marshall. Then they get Sapelt and Travis Wood. Oh, I did not know that. I always think of Travis Wood for Sean Marshall. And then that All little, right. what was the little guy that kicked around the big leagues forever? Yeah, Ronald Torres. Oh, they got okay. three players. Theo got three guys for Sean Marshall. And Travis Wood, who was every bit as good, if not better, than Sean Marshall. Probably was after trade. the trade. Yeah. Although Sapelt and Torres were kind of useless. But, yeah. um, Ryan Sweeney yeah. played a lot of center field for that team. Yeah. I, uh, Ryan Sweeney, Mark the guy who famously um, looked like a world beater in batting practice. Like in BP oh. before the game, he's hitting the ball like 500 feet. Everybody's like, "Woo!" And then the game would start, and he'd take the same swing and hit it like 280 feet. Nice. By the way, I just, I, I'm on Junior Lake's page on Baseball Reference. Guess who his number two similarity score is? Mel Hall. Mike Talkman. Mike oh, Talkman. Oh, so they, we basically have, uh, we have White Junior Lake now. And also, about number, number four on his list is Brian Bogusevic, and he played with him on the 2013 Cubs. Cubs. Oh, and then to bring it full circle is that he was the guy the no. Cubs traded to Baltimore for Tommy Hunter, who was like the very first deadline trade the Cubs had made, like in their to, to their advantage for a team that was looking to go to the play. Tommy Hunter was a bust for the 2015 Cubs. Yeah, but the two of the two big team. additions that. Uh, that year were Tommy Dan Hunter Aaron. and Dan Heron. Yeah. And the Cubs. And, yet, uh, and the rumor was. They got more out of. They got, da- more, out of, they got more out of waiver wire guys like uh, the fat guy at uh, yeah. Trevor. He was a waiver wire pick. Trevor Cahill, Clayton Richard. Yeah, Clayton Richard was the other one. There you go. Uh, the rumor was the Cubs were working on a big trade on deadline day. And they just couldn't pull. And Theo couldn't pull the trigger on it. It was uh, Javi Baez for. Craig Kimbrell. Jesus Christ, thank God. He didn't. Because Hector was fine at the closer that year. So thank well, God. We just and decided that awesome. yeah, it wasn't worth giving up Javi to get no, thank they God. a closer. They just weren't going to do it. And then that ended up being huge because um, Addison Russell gets hurt in the Cardinal series. And yep. Javi hits and the home run. And had to go short. Javi hits the home yeah, run off Lackey. Yeah, run homer off of Lackey, yeah. And Javi, until then, had been a Swiss Army knife, third base, second base, shortstop, whatever. And he was the best player at all. And three I of think those I could look this up, but I don't want to. I feel like Javi had been struggling, and then he took off after the trade deadline. Like, basically, what, what, uh, he wasn't in trade rumors anymore, and he was just a part time player anyway. Joe was picking spots for him. What happened was that Javi was the first guy to get caught up the year before, played a shitload, and ended up striking out at 40%. And then the next year, continue to flail the whale. He gets sent to Iowa. After, 
yes, to start the season, which was the best thing that happened to him. And then he watched as like Soler, who was already back up on the team, and Russell come up. And then they all had like that season. Javi, they kept him down to like June or July. Well, he came up, he played like everywhere, and he did everything they wanted. And that was my take. So um, once they did the, they, they, they did the right thing, like which they wouldn't do for Corey Patterson, for example. They just they let him just simmer and just go down there for a while. And when he came back up, he was a an incredible defensive player. So on your um, you, you mentioned that Mike Talkman is his number two is uh, Junior Lake's number two. Most similar yeah. by age at twenty five is Tuffy Rhodes. Jesus, we found the nexus yeah. of Cubs center field. Yeah, uh, let's see the thirteen Cubs. They just had so many bums on this team. Um, well, because this was the uh, churning yeah. everything over. Brian Bogusevich, yeah. um, yeah. Scott Hairston. We already had Jerry. Now we got Scott. Um, Cole Gillespie, Darnell McDonald, thirty-four-year-old uh, yeah. Darnell McDonald hit three hundred two for the Cubs. Yeah. I was checked uh, out. Yeah. Steve Clevenger is on here listed as a third baseman. I remember Steve Clevenger got like hit at the end of a nationally televised game. He eventually got traded for Jake Arrieta, right? Yes. Along with Scott Feldman in the 2013 season. And then he said yeah. something awful for the 2016 yeah. Mariners, and he never played again. Yeah, if your name's Clevenger, you, some, yeah, you might yeah. be missing a frontal lobe. Okay, so 2014, Rick Renneria, and opening day, who's playing center field for the Cubs? It's not Emilio Bonifacio. It is Emilio right? Bonifacio. And it he is. not only played center field, he led off. So the first Cub batter in 2014 was Emilio Bonifacio. And did he not get on base like five times that game? I feel like he did. I believe he got he up to an incredible start to the season. Yeah, he did. Cubs. He reached base like 12 out of like his first 16 plate appearances. Former Marlin Emilio Bonifacio. And he was, he was I like think they, number 64. Good old 64. And yeah, the reason I was like this, he was not, he liked to wear number one. And he would go to different teams, and it was always either it was taken or it was a hassle. And he, when he got to the the team he played for before the Cubs, who was it? The Dodgers, maybe? Was not the the Royals. He took number 64. He figured he'd pick a bad number, and he knew that on whatever team he got on, he could be number 64. That was wow. why he picked it. Okay. And he wore it for the Royals, the Cubs, the White Sox, and the Braves. Wow. All right. I think the Cubs, so he played for the Braves a couple of times, right? Yeah. Who does, let's see, first things first. How did he start? Yeah, he had four hits on opening day. Yeah, in Pittsburgh, right? Pretty good uh, way to open the season. And then he, um... They played a 16-inning game the next day, and he got five more hits. Yeah. He was five for seven. He started the season nine for 12. Then he went two for four, so the Pirates obviously did not know how to pitch to him. And they were a good Pirates team, too. Uh, Let's see. Through the first eight games of the season, Emilio (laughs) was hitting 500. He was 19 of 38. 500 with a 537 on base and a 579. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Break up Emilio Bonifacio. And he was playing center and second. Yeah, whatever. Whatever you needed him. Whatever you needed him, Rick. The 2014 season is one that's uh, 
you know, we should all remember fondly because it was like the last season that didn't suck from beginning to end. So we knew it was going to suck in the beginning, but that was, you know, that was the year in which, like, you know, Iris Mendy, Alcantara, Kyle Hendricks, and Javi Baez got called up. So things started changing. Yeah. But they we were fun by they were fun by the end of it. By the end of it, yeah. And so there too came up that year. Um, Everybody, but yeah. Jake almost threw a no hitter in Boston. Yep, I remember John, that. With John Lester sitting on the, in the dugout on the other side, he hadn't been traded to the A's yet. And then when Theo tried to pitch him on coming to the Cubs, one of the reasons was he's like, well, they turned Jake Arrieta into a stud. At least there'll be another guy on the rotation that can pitch. How about that? Um, he gets traded at the trade deadline with James Russell to the Braves for Victor Caratini. Oh, Captain Caveman. Um, other guys to play center for the Cubs that year. Aris Mendy, Alcon. Oh, wait a minute. Which one was he? He was all Contra. Yeah, he was the palate. He, he was the palate cleanser before, like Baez and Solaire and Bryant and Schwarber, right? Like he was the, the first real proof that the uh, that the Epstein era knew what they were doing. Ryan Sweeney played seventy-seven more games for the Cubs. What is it with Ryan Sweeney? Uh, Theo's uh, pet project, Ryan Kalish. And yes. Boston, Brian to the Cubs, 57 games for the Cubs that year. Uh, former Villanova uh, football star Matt Caesar. Yeah. 33 games. Well, he was, well, he, he, he qualified as a center fielder, right? Yeah, I would he think he played a fair amount there. Let's see. Matt or is he just Caesar. a left fielder? He might have been a corner outfielder. Keen is missing vowels. In 2014, he played 26 games for the Cubs, 13 in the right, nine in center, six in left. Yeah, and one is yeah. the DH. Yeah. Oof, where were you, DH That's... and Matt Caesar? Jesus. Wow. Well, Asked the current administration. Couldn't, couldn't DH Justin Ruggiano or Mike Holt? Ooh, I remember Justin Ruggiano. He was the Italian guy that got replaced by another Italian guy, Chris Denorfia, by 2015. It's like the fourth or fifth outfielder. Chris Denorfia looked exactly like Ryan Dempster. Well, so no, not as annoying. We're talking lowest. So now we go to 2015, and Theo makes a controversial trade. I get it. Uh, some would say a, a a bad trade for the Cubs. Even still, even after all these years, trades Bye. Louis Valbuena and Dan Straley, and gets Dan, Dexter Fowler. Too. What the hell did Dexter Fowler ever do for the Cubs? Was Dan Straley part of the uh, a Billy McKinney trade? Never mind. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't know why that name was familiar. It seemed like an earlier trade. Anyway, you're right. Your guy, Louis Valbuena and his bat flips on singles. Yes, the, the Billy McKinney trade. That's what people call that trade. Billy McKinney <laughs> and Addison Russell. That's right. And no, Dan Straley, Dan Straley for Jason for Hamill Samarja, and Jeff Jason Samarja, Samarja, the famous I Billy McKinney it. trade. It was rattling around in my brain somewhere. <laughs> well, you weren't wrong, but. Uh... All right, so the Cubs go out and they get this guy named Dexter Fowler, this freakish, so, long-legged dope. Oh, an on-base machine. And he just turns uh, out to be the the best center the, fielder they've had the most, since Rick The Monday. most memorable. Yeah, uh, still doesn't measure up quantitatively to even Dernier because he was, what, only there two years? Two years. And he was really only supposed but, to be there one. Correct. 
Um, he had an agreement with the he, Orioles and then went, fuck it, I don't want to play for the Orioles. And yeah, Theo's like, all right, move. we can only give you one year because we've got Albert Elmora coming. We can't block center. It's, it's not like this is happening right now with Cody Bellinger and Pete Crow I'm Armstrong. So, I'm so sad that this podcast does not end with Dexter Fowler and that we're going to, there's going to be like 20 more minutes. We're going to have to like <laughs> go through the Albert Elmora and the. But let's stop for a minute and appreciate Dexter Fowler. Because again, um, regardless of anybody who's playing in this position for the Cubs, it's not going to be very long. So the team photo now since Rick Monday is basically Bob Dernier, um, uh, you know, which is just not even like four years. Brian McRae, like Corey Patterson, just by volume. You know, we're not really, I mean, you know, Kenny Lofton and, and One Dog Johnson and Jerome Walton's rookie year are, are kind of floating there. But we're talking like any sense of regularity. Dexter Fowler, even though it's only for two years, two memorable years. But, yeah, solid. Nobody's going to forget him. He's he's in this discussion. Those two seasons pretty much puts him in the discussion for best center fielder in the last 50 years. Yep. And it's funny, in 2015 – he, he hits a big homer early in the year against the Rockets. Troy, I was in Denver and that happened. Yes. But then he's bad. Yeah. yeah. For like all of May and all of June. And it's like, ew, you know, I don't know. What do we give up Louis Valbuena for this guy for? I mean, we could have Louis Valbuena. We could have Chris yeah. Bryant on the bench learning from Louis Valbuena. That's how it probably right. should have gone. Yes. Uh, but in the second half, he turns it on. He hits 275 with a 411 on base in July, 298 with a 408 on base in August. He slumps a little bit in September and October as the Cubs are making their charge. Um, but then in the playoffs, I'm going to find it here. Well, he was one of the six guys that homered in game three. Yeah, he, he hit a homer. They only had, they only had three hits against the Cardinals in that whole series. That's and then he was right. okay. None of them hit against the Mets. No. But that was going to be it. Plus, He's going to be gone. But he probably – yeah, right. Albert's right. going to take over in center. Hey, Dexter, thanks no. for the one year. Albert wasn't ready. It was – who would it have been? Because Albert got called up during the World Series year, and he was – Yeah, that's Even right. by objective measures, he was uh, undercooked. Well, they were going to – oh, it was um, – it was going to be, well, I don't know. They had to figure out how they were going to play. How were they going to play Kyle Schwarber, Jason Hayward, and Jorge Soler? That's what it was. And Hayward was going to be the center field, just like Soriano in 07. Kind of another half-baked. So they basically training. decided in spring training, you know what? Um, it's probably not a great idea to just turn the corner outfields over to Schwarber and Soler. If we get Dexter, now we can kind of joke and mix and match. And then in and game Hayward, three, and keep Hayward and right, which is where we, right. he was excelling at. And then in game three, Schwarber and Fowler collide. Schwarber's gone. Go figure. And they had to yeah. go require Chris Coglin. Right. Who they had gotten rid of for Aaron Brooks. Um, so but yeah, you're right, Theo, yeah. Theo deciding that you know maybe they should get a little depth worked out because yeah. then Dexter is back for sixteen, and he has oh, a great yeah. year. All the way through Game Seven, um, everything's he, everything's better. He hits twenty six points better than he did in fifteen. He gets on base almost fifty points better than he did in fifteen. He slugs thirty six points better than he did in fifteen. Willing to wager, he had the two best years of his career. That too, as it turned out, he was good. You know, 
good good player overall, but I, I have to reckon yes. he actually just he had his highest his highest together. OPS was with the Cubs. Yeah. Um, now he was an All Star um, for the only time in 2016. Yeah. So serendipity or whatever meant to be. We got the two best years out of Dexter Fowler, and he was a good player. But yeah, that well timed. But just two. So he's gone, and in 17, um, opening day center fielder was? was it, it was not Albert yet, though. He was still too green. It was Jason so How was it? Uh, so they went with the plan they would have gone into it in 16 with. Yeah, okay. As they wait for Almora. And Almora would, you know, he would pretty, he got called up in 16. Of course, he had the famous tagging up on first base. And, uh, you know, Rajay Davis having poor footwork on the Chris Bryant, you know, 10th inning sacrifice fly when Almora was pitch running for Schwarber. And Almora himself actually had a big clutch hit against the Nationals in the playoffs. He, he had a line drive off a lefty over shortstop that put them up. He had his moments. He had a homer against the Dodgers in the playoffs. But obviously, he was not the answer. Uh, but that was the hope was that because we had so much immediate success with. Not necessarily Baez. Baez had to bake one, but Soler had a high floor. Soler pretty much, and he got Soler got screwed early in in fifteen with the strike zone. But like Bryant and Schwarber, and like they're all in the sixteen team. They're all contributing, and Almora kind of did in his own way in bits and pieces in seventeen. And you know, as fans, it's like ah, oh, let's keep it going. But as, as a front office, they should have recognized that Almora was not going to be the answer but yeah, that was, almost in a in a Patterson-esque way they, they it took him too long to figure that out maybe I think they didn't want to admit it they Theo Tom Loxus and I talked about this on a podcast about how when Theo came to the Cubs the one of the things obviously he was incredibly accomplished with the Red Sox but the thing everybody thought and I guilty as anybody is he's ruthless this is the guy who traded Nomar like he'll do whatever it takes to win and then um I read the Terry Francona book because John Greenberg suggested I read it. And it becomes pretty clear in there that the Nomar trade was, it just had to happen. Like, Nomar was, he was a problem. And they had, they'd pissed their season away in 03 against the Yankees, and 04 was going down the drain. And it was pretty easy mm-hmm. to make the decision to launch Nomar, even though it wasn't popular. It was the right move. And Theo did kind of have a history of falling in love with his own guys. And usually they were good, so it really didn't matter. But he did it with the Cubs. Like, the Cubs didn't... There's a lot of these guys that they should have known early were overrated and capitalized on, yeah. like the Braves used to do. And they didn't do it. They kept them all, thinking, ah, well... And, you know, so then you look yeah. at Elmore leaves for nothing. Schwarber gets DFA'd by Jet. Schwarber was actually valuable. They did make a good it. trade yeah. for uh, with Jorge, but it was only for one year Wade Davis. He won, and they had no plan yeah. to keep Wade and after you, one year. And it got him nothing. And, yeah. they, you know, and then they lose... Bryant and Baez and all the Rizzo and those guys, they a year, they, a, a year yeah. late they trade them all and it yeah. diminishes what they got back for him. So the interesting thing about Amora was that he was always slow, even though he tagged up from first in the World Series. But he actually was like a decent, like he he had that range like a Dwight Smith never had. He, but he was, it didn't matter. He couldn't. He didn't have enough bat. So like. Right. But he wasn't even as good of a, like that was his thing. It was like, oh, he knows how to just like run to a spot and catch a ball. He kind of did, 
But because he wasn't that fast, no, that he, he kind of caught up right. to him in the in the big league. He caught everything he could get to, but he couldn't get to enough. Yeah, and he get he couldn't get to enough, and he then he Mike could never Talkman. hit, of course. Like Talkman's the but same way. 20, like any, if Talkman can right. get to it, he'll catch it. Elmore, if he could get to it, would yeah. catch it. But there's yeah. a lot of balls that were bouncing off the wall because he just was too fucking oh. slow to get to it. And then his problem as a hitter was he could hit bad pitches, make contact, and he yeah. did. And so he made a lot of weak contact, and then he's slow, and he couldn't. He wasn't going to beat any of those out. He was not. He never bad, walked. Yeah. He was, you know. Yeah. That was a guy that they, and then they had the weird story. That was the year they did, they took him instead of Corey Seager because Corey Seager was too tall to play shortstop. Um, right. Not considering that Amaro was too short and squat. You know, to play guys center. that went right at, like Max Fried, went right after him. Yeah. yeah. Now, now and that is also. There's Seager be, and Waka. Marcus Stroman, you know. It should be pointed out that this is actually Theo and Jed's first draft for yeah. the Cubs, too, right? Almora was there. That's part of the reason probably that they were irrationally attached to him. Yeah. That you know, Guy, they, they guys acqu- get that way. They, acquired by us. We're we're living through it right now with Nick Madrigal because that was that was the only big leaguer that Jed got in the in the big sell off was Madrigal, and it's like come hell or high water, he's going to prove the guy can oh. play. It's like, well, I got news for you: the more you play him, the less it's, he's going to prove he can play. Yeah. Um, but Almora was given a long rope, so as far as games played, he's probably in that discussion, right? He's probably ranked five, fifth or sixth, which speaks more, again, to what we're doing here yeah. in the last I mean, 50 he's years. Listed as, on baseball, he's listed as the center fielder on that, on that team. John, which team? Uh, on 2017? The yeah. But the year John after Jay, the World Series. Yeah. John Jay played a bunch of games in center. Another guy oh, who God. slow. He at least got. Can we talk about that. Um, the, the the John Jay frustration was that he maxed out like in August and September, and you knew he was crashing to yeah. earth, and it wasn't. It was almost like the uh, the Corey Patterson September of you know two thousand four. But the best center fielder they had in twenty seventeen, Cubs made the most clutch play. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, I mean, can we luxuriate luxuri- in the fact that the year after the Cubs finally won a World Series, that they go into St. Louis for a team that's still fighting to stay alive, and then three successive nights, I believe the Cubs, A, first night, clinched the division, B, the second night, clinched home field, and then the third night, eliminated St. Louis themselves with four games to go, something like that. And I want to say, I could have this wrong, that, that C happened the 27th out was, what the hell was his name? Leonis Martin. Leonis Martin robbed a home run off, I think, Randall Gritchick. Oh, even better. And I think that it, was the and, game yeah. that, um, did Hendricks almost throw a no-hitter? Uh, um, I think that was the same series. might have been the same series. I remember, yeah. they, so the Cubs, they clinched the first night, and then they have they play their hungover lineup the next day. And they still beat the Cubs, yes. which was great. And, they, and there was some reward for it, like though. Schwarber like had to play. Level. That was like the joke. Was everybody on that team knew how hungover Kyle was, and you know you don't, you can't swap out the whole team. You don't have enough guys on the roster, so right. Kyle's out there. You know, <laughs> still half in the bag playing left field. <laughs> awesome. And then yeah, Leona like a chance for the Cardinals to like keep their season alive. I want to say or. For one more day, have a chance to like tie the game in the ninth inning, and then our defensive replacement, Leonis. Oh, it was Paul DeJong. Uh, Paul DeJong. Okay. Um, hit a fly ball to deep center field. It was caught by uh, Leonis Martin. And the Cubs had taken the lead in the um, 
It went to it went extra innings. Let's see. Did the Cubs tie it late? Oh, okay. Went extra okay. innings and Taylor Davis. Oh, the beardy catcher to give the Cubs the lead, and then the Cardinals. It looked like um, yeah. the great uh, Jen Ho Sang was pitching for the Cubs. It looked like Paul DeJong yeah. was going to tie the game and keep the Cardinals season alive, but Leonis reached up over the wall and pulled it back, and the yeah. Cubs won, and the Cardinals were eliminated. Oh, beautiful. Moments like that. Thank you, Leonis Martin. I hope we gave you your just due in our discussion of 50 years of Cubs center fielders. Uh, 2018, the guy who le- the guy who plays center field on opening day leads off the entire season for Major League Baseball with a home run. Oh, Ian Happ. Ian Happ. So it wasn't Albert. Yeah, that was in Florida. I remember that. Oh, yeah, now we're brushing up on the modern Cubs. Yes. Um, uh, as, as we've already was discussed, Darvish, Ian Happ. Right? Wasn't that Hugh's debut? Uh, that sounds uh, right. Maybe he pitched but... the next game, and then... Oh, you was hurt. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you debuted for a few weeks. Maybe. Um, that was Lester. Or maybe he did. Then I was, thinking was shut down. Lester was still in the 2018 Cubs, but yeah, that was uh, um, Ian. Had I mean, like we've talked about it before. Like he's a very suspect left fielder, but he wins go glove because they've lowered the bar. The fact that he was an opening day center fielder speaks more to the Cubs and aptitude than any prowess that Ian, our guy Ian has, who has finally stabilized his career to be somewhat, maybe slightly above average, but um, the fact that he's part of the discussion of Cubs center fielders just reinforces what we're doing well, here. That was my frustration with the extension they gave him, is that he's if he could put up the kind of offense he puts up at center or second base, he's probably worth that money, but he's not worth $20 million in left field. That he does not produce offense in left field and he can't play center and he can't play second, but he's proven it. If he's going to play left, you might as well have kept Schwarber. Who's like a slightly similar player with more power. Yeah. That's my thing. And Kyle was on display tonight. He first pitch of the game. He had a home run. And then Did in like the fifth inning, he dropped a fly ball. So it was all the, all the Kyle Schwarber. You got the full Whatever. Kyle Schwarber experience. <laughs> I love Colorado. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you stick half and left. But as a center fielder, if he was hitting like he was this year and playing borderline competent defense, then that's a center fielder we could probably live with, I suppose. So but, this was probably – was this this was Albert's best season, right? Amaro? Uh, no, I guess seven, well, 17 was. See, 17 20, was the only year he was league average. He got worse every year. Here's what I'm going to tell you, and I know this from memory. His first half of 2018 was awesome. Look at his 20, because that was when he almost made the All-Star team. He almost made the All-Star team in 2018. I swear to God. What? Tell me what his numbers were on July 1st, and I will tell you that he was probably ranked one of the top five center fielders. And then from that, it's from that point um, – that it was just nothing but frustration yeah. and There's 2018 his first half 319 357 438 uh, Jesus we thought we had it second half there's our answer second half 232 267 280 yeah the whole team so, stopped hitting especially him for all you folks listening we're trying we're, we're looking for the holy grail on the and center field here June. and we thought we we thought we had it there. he hit 363 oh. with a 375 on base and 495 slugging in June that year 
And then the ass fell right out of the season. And it never came back. In wins for the Cubs that year, he hit 327. In losses, he hit 227. He also hit some kid in Houston with a foul ball. Some people like to attribute that. Was that that year or the next? No. I feel like that was 19. No, that's – it's 18. It's 18. It's in Houston. But I'm going to tell you, too, that I think that's a little bit revisionist. That's a little bit like the whole, oh, Corey Patterson was lighting the league on fire until he blew his light. Right. He had already, already started to yeah. come to earth. Like, yeah, it was it was weird. You, I mean, you remember that when Elmore hit that foul ball in the stands yeah. oh, yeah. at Minute Maid Park. But that wasn't 2018. the reason they finally put it, the freaking netting up. Yes, and it was around his hot streak, so I don't know. Not to go all Dickie San, but maybe it was. Who knows? But I, 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 that's pretty thin evidence, you know, for a mate, for a guy who played so many thousands of innings to all of a sudden, I would think, not to be insensitive, but so, Jesus, he played 152 games that year. So he, Albert was the opening day center fielder in 19. Okay. He had a bad year, 236, 271, 381. The next year in the, yeah. in the uh, COVID year, he had 167. He only played in 28. Well, he played in 28 games. Then he played 60. And then he was gone. Uh, he went to the Mets, and yeah. then he finished up with the Reds. Um, the guy, the same guy played center field in 20 and 21 on opening day. Is it Ian Happ again? Is Ian Happ again. So he's played he's three. Has let, he has played center field opening it. day three times. And one of the he's most of this whole himself. thing. One of the guys played the most is Ian Happ. He's forcing himself into the conversation. Our our barely borderline defensively adequate left fielder is in the conversation for regular Cubs center fielders. That's just great. Well, and it's funny. So he he was the opening day center fielder in 18, 20, and 21. In 18, uh, he had a 761 OPS. That's not that great. But in 19, it was 898. And in 20... 19 was the year he didn't he didn't do it in 19 because he spent the whole first half in the minors correct and, it and that was like his Javi Baez moment it looked like it worked yeah he, just like it was, he was, was Baez and then he was he was their probably their best offensive player in the pandemic year until he hit himself in the face with a foul ball remember that oh. and his numbers fell off no he was the only but offense, I do remember he was the only offense they had in, in the playoffs, playoffs. he's the only he guy he could the only home run yeah and then in 21 up until the um, trade deadline, he was one of the worst players in baseball. Like, he was on yeah, the verge. Right. In fact, um, Ross oh, had to call sure. him in and basically tell him he was no longer an everyday player. He was going to have to just, you know, he basically his major league career was heading down the drain. But then everybody gets traded, and now he has to play because they don't have anybody else. Right. And he gets hotter than and shit. He, and now they're going to pay him yeah. $20 million a year. Yeah. Well, there you go. Ugh. Do you remember who led off last year? Or not who led off. Who played center field last year on opening day? Uh, no, because I'm old and my memory only works. This is the second the, time this guy did it. He did it uh, five years apart. Whoa. Jesus Christ. My synapses not are not Jesus firing. Christ, no. It's not It's not Zuleta? <laughs> who is it? <laughs> Jason Hayward. I'm Oh my God! That just shows That's you what the, great, what the twenty-two Cubs a, were built to do. That is a fun fact, actually. So the arc of Jason Hayward's contract is basically he was rushed into being a center fielder the second year, of, or actually the first year, or whatever. 
and then due to attrition and his own lack of productivity. Well, he had to play he, center after Dexter went away. So his second season. But he was not. Clubs. And then he did right. it again. Oh, that's his, that's his the arc. Last that's the arc. Uh, it was his third season when he uh, played. Okay. This is quite the okay. uh, this is quite the lineup on opening day that had Jason year? in center field last year. Okay. Rafael Ortega leading off as your designated hitter. Nick Madrigal at second base. Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, Frank Schwindel, Seiya Suzuki, Jason Hayward, Patrick Wisdom, Nico Horner. And they won, right? Yeah. yeah. They beat Corbin Burns. Kyle That's Hendricks, right. Kyle Hendricks pitched and they won. I think they won. They start off 2-0 and then go right in the shitter. 5-4. to four. They won the first two. They won 3 out of 4. They won 5 out of 7. Yeah. Um, they did not actually tag And they Corbin remembered Burns that they the were bad and it went very, yeah. very bad. And well, then they yeah, got that. They were 11-2 and two the last 13 games. Well, that happens in a lot of teams. 3 I guess, the last 14 games. Right. And then do you remember who let off or who I just keep saying let off. Do you remember who played center field on opening day this year? Uh opening day center field. I mean I I, I seem like I pay so little attention now. Um who the hell is the Cubs it's not the current center fielder, is that what we're saying here? It is. The guy who just returned to center field today from his injury. Cody Bell. Oh yeah, I got I got Cody, yeah. That's All an right. actual That's good right. player. Another one. Will he be an all-star this year? Will he Will he join Marlon Byrd uh, and Leon Durham? I think he missed, he missed too much time, and his numbers are just they're – they're okay. No. Yeah. Uh, That's right. See. As of – But he he certainly ranks, you know – I mean, well, obviously. Yeah, he's not having an all-star. 263, He no. is, however – He might be their – let's see. He's their best defensive center fielder since – well, uh, Damon been, I mean, well, I mean, Lofton was good. Is, is Bellinger that good? Is he better than like a 32-year-old Kenny Lofton? Is he he's better really than good. a 27? He is good. He, I agree. He is. A, he's an elite defensive center fielder. He's also their best first baseman. Which I love. What? Right. Oh. But I do love the ball watch, with his glove. I do love watching a good center fielder. I think about. Um, in my opinion, the greatest center fielder objective that I ever saw in person or on television was Andrew Jones. Just because he never made a, you know, like a lot of people sometimes get confused if they don't know baseball that well, not to be an elitist, but like, you know, they'll see circus catches made over the, over the fence or in the wall. I never saw Andrew Jones dive or jump for a ball. You just would see some dude hit a fucking rope to left center, and then Andrew Jones is just standing there yeah. because that's really what a good outfielder, a good center fielder, right fielder, just knows how to track a ball and get there. And so what we've spent the last, what, two hours talking about is like kind of a holy grail. Like we have no stability. We've had few elite players. Bellinger you mentioned. Um, you know, like, you know, Kenny Lofton with the Indians was one of these players, just like one of those guys that a ball, a pitcher, like, makes a mistake and a ball player tags it, but he goes, oh, it's okay. It's okay. My guy, yeah, look, he's standing right there. And so he does. We've never really had that at all, no. like, year in and year out. We've had no. cases of it. We've had, like, overwashed, you know, washed up guys that were shells of themselves that used to be like that. We're just asking for the most basic. Well, the lowest bar here, but like a great center fielder is one of the greatest things to watch in baseball. Right. So the, 
and the Cubs, even Cody, the Cubs get him after he was rookie of the year and MVP and then terrible. Like the Dodgers right. are just like, we can't fix it. We've tried everything. And the Cubs get him, and uh, he always was able to play defense. As long as he's healthy enough to play, he could always play defense. And he's been good offensively, and he stands out on this team because they have very little offense other than him. But they have no plan to keep him more than a year. That was the whole idea. Like, they're handing it over. Right. They hope to Pete Crow Armstrong Pete Crow. next year, who I'm sure can immediately play center. He could, I think I call him up today, and he could defensively play center field. There's no doubt about that. But is he going to be so able to? We don't know. And why? why would you put all your eggs in that? Like, what would it hurt to have signed Cody for two or three years? Because he can play other positions. You put no. Pete in the corner. Don't do that. Don't put too yeah, much pressure me. on him. Yeah. Um, okay, so I went and looked up um, who I think the five best center fielders in Cubs history are. This goes all the way back to the White Stockings. Ever? Yes. Okay. All right. And all there's right. some, you look, there's some you answers. Because I think the best center fielder ever was a guy that I can't imagine could do anything defensively. Hack Wilson? Hack Wilson. Right. Hack played. We don't have. Hack played mostly center field from 1926 to 1931, and he hit 322, 412, 590, with 190 home runs and 769 RBIs in 850 games. And and, and he was and an alcoholic they, uh, while he did it. Right, just like right. And Bill Vec used to have to pour a uh, 20 year old Bill Vec used to have to pour ice cubes on him in the in the tub in the clubhouse <laughs> as he recovered from hangovers. Uh, and he also had a long-standing, still does, I believe, National League record for 191 RBIs. Used to be 190 until Jerome Holtzman found one. Found uh, one. But I think you are basing all that on offensive. It's numbers. all. It's all. We don't know, and I just can't imagine. There was... is, and there is one anecdotal fact about Hack Wilson as a center fielder, and it is this: that in the 1929 World Series, with the Cubs, I believe, up. Maybe up two games to one, or maybe the series was tied one to one, but the Cubs were up eight to two. And I know my history because I thought about this game during the aforementioned Bartman game. I think it was a one to one series in Philadelphia. Cubs were up eight to two. Some guy in the Philadelphia A's hit a fly ball to center, and Hack Wilson lost it in the sun. And then, like, nine runs scored after the Phillies scored. The Cubs never won another game. And so I'm like, all right, well, combined with that anecdotal story and the fact that Hack Wilson looks like a human fire hydrant. <laughs> Maybe he really wasn't that great of a center fielder. He's a product of yeah. the times, uh, you know, a live ball era, and defense was an afterthought. Okay. I don't know who would have been great. I agree with that coach. completely. But when I finish the list, see if we think anybody's better. Okay, sure. So then uh, a guy named Jimmy Ryan. You remember Jimmy Ryan? Well, like 1890s, I think. 1885 right? to 1900. Played wow. center field, hit 308 okay. with a 375 on base, 444 uh, slug. Wow. He had 118 home runs in just 2014 games. Wow. And that probably was and a this... lot for back then. Yes. Dead ball and probably a lot of ballparks with no fences, so the motherfucker had to run. All right. Uh, All right. I, I, hey, I'm down with Jimmy Ryan right now. He's the leader in the club. Then there's the center fielder from 1943 to 1951, although he had to play a little third base once in a while. Yeah. And, and I don't know how much Andy Pasco was a true, like, a Willie May. Like, was he? He was only with the Cubs for like six or seven years. Yeah, he was part of the, the uh, last pennant winner. Parts of nine. Uh, but sure. Yeah, let's put him in Parts there. Parts of nine like, years he played for the Cubs. But he played, like, third base yeah. and shit. 294, right? so. 362, 468 slug, 829 OPS. All right. Um, he, I can't read my own stuff here. He had 126 home runs, 584 RBIs. Um... He was a five times all five time all star. 
he stole 28 bases in all of those years and got caught 35 times. That's a lot well, of that going on with the Cubs center fielders. Well, but that was also a clod-footed era between the uh, the Ty Cobb and Lou Brock era where nobody stole bases, really. So, Pretty good ratio. All right. Then Rick Monday. Okay. 270, 366, 460, 106 home runs, 293 RBIs, 37 stolen bases, and 42 caught stealings. <laughs> Just still hilarious. All right. Um, and Andy Pasco. Then Bob Dernier. 84 That's it. 87. 264, 330, 355. 119 stolen bases, 34 caught stealings, won a gold glove. Um, got acquired with so Murphy, Altamirano, and Gary Matthews for Bill Campbell and Mike Diaz. Pretty good trade for the Cubs. As we, as we know, and as you pointed out, like the Phillies just assumed the Cubs wouldn't do anything with them and it backfired, which was great for us. So I'm assuming your calculus is some sort of a intersection of quantity and quality. Yeah, it's I mean, five. Right, it's, you can't just be. The Cubs have been around for what? Right, 180 years, whatever the right. fuck it is. We can't just have a guy. We can't have, we can't have Kenny Lofton as a top five guy for 56 or games, Dexter even though. Fowler for that matter. Well, no, Dave, number five. I don't know where you're going to find better. It's Dexter. Yeah. How about this? So we, we can go through Dexter stats, but how about this? What do Dexter Fowler and Jimmy Slagle? have in common neither have died from tuberculosis <laughs> they are the only two Cubs center fielders to ever win World Series what Jimmy Slagle was the center fielder in 7 and 8 and it Dexter was not in wild. 16 I would have guessed it was uh, Hank Wildfire Schulte well, he may Cubs have been one of their field. outfielders but Jimmy, they have Jimmy okay. Slagle listed as a center fielder okay there's that but of course uh, uh, Jimmy Ryan played on some Cubs teams that didn't have the privilege of playing in the World Series. Yeah, because so, there was no World Series. Right they now, the Cubs. Yeah, the right, White Stockings. Right now, right, or the Colts, or Cap Anson's like, little band of racists. I don't know. But I, I feel like right now, lacking any further evidence. And I only, Jimmy Ryan? In, yes, I had only vaguely heard of Jimmy Ryan before tonight until you kind of broke down those numbers. Those are some pretty uh, historic pre 20th century offensive born, numbers. He was born during the Civil War. Sure. Right. Uh, yes. His nickname was Pony. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he played. Um, he played 15 I mean, years that, for the Cubs. 16 years for the Cubs. The numbers that you report, I, don't, I honestly, I, I'm not trying to be cute here. Uh, in 120 years, I don't know that that bar has been cleared. Dexter's a great argument on 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 quality, like like over quantity. How about like, this for Jimmy Ryan? He also and, and. he pitched. In 24 games, he was six and one with a 3.62 ERA. Right. Also, See, personal pitching. note, he pitched right. in the World Series against the Browns. See, all right. I think lost. we're getting not to cap it up any further here, but um, before I moved out to the northwest suburbs, I used to live in the northern edge of Chicago in Rogers Park, and our backyard looked out onto the Chicago Evanston border, which was a cemetery which is what all cemeteries are always pushed to the ends of town. And uh, the Evanston Cemetery is called Cavalry, uh, which and from my third story deck on Juneway Terrace in Rogers Park, Chicago, 15 years ago, I looked out over into this old Evanston Cemetery where apparently Jimmy Ryan is buried. So I can no longer uh, abide by, you know, I love Dexter Fowler. I love Bobby Dernier. Um Jimmy Ryan died long before I was born, apparently 50 years, but um, I have to, 
I have to say that uh, everything else considered, even with the Kenny Loftons and uh, and the limited samples from Red Alice, that the the last the true last Cubs great center fielder, the only one, the number one on the list, is Jimmy Ryan. Yeah, I think it's Hack. Yeah, but Hack lost that ball. He was so good. He was so good that Kai Kai Kyler couldn't even play center. That's okay. Kai Keller was a great player. I don't know how good of a defensive player he was. Uh, none of them, probably. So, so maybe, yeah. I mean, because that was an era of no stolen bases, no right. Like in between Ty Cobb and Lou Brock, I feel like outfield defense and like base running was an afterthought. How, how about a this? Bit of... The twenty-nine Cubs. Rogers Hornsby hit three eighty. Riggs Stevenson hit three sixty-two. Ty Kai yeah. Keller hit three sixty. And Heck Wilson hit 345. Wow. How'd they ever lose? 98 and 54 and lost the World Series. Well, they lost the World Series because Heck fucked up a fly ball. And well, that's why he, he gets eliminated from the discussion for uh, greatest center fielder, even though he is. That's got, that's, homers, gotta, that's gotta yeah. be him. And it just shows that the Cubs, that it's ridiculous that this franchise has been around for as long as it has. And we can't identify right. their greatest right. center fielder. Well, we can't even whittle it down to like three, like, like what? Like it's so unclear. Like first base, you say, all right. Well, first base, you might not be able to name it, but you will get like five like unambiguous qualified for you. Like, all right. Yeah, okay, it should well, be. With the hundred and forty-eight seasons, we should be fighting over, like, right, three great not, players and which one's the best. Instead, we're like, right, I don't that, know, maybe not, this guy. Right. Not arguing whether or not Kenny Lawson's mattering of 56 games, games the best actually center fielder because of right in a century or, and or a half frankly, of baseball or, or or frankly Dexter Fowler more realistically yeah. like uh, someone who legitimately was there for two full successful seasons but that's it and yet like hey give me an argument like for chubby little Hack Wilson like blowing a series <laughs> in 29 or or Jimmy Ryan in his absence of a mustache in the 19th century. So I, this goes far beyond Andy Pafko now that we've talked about it. It goes far beyond Rick Monday, far beyond Andy Pafko. These Cubs teams that build that senior build that won four pennants in 10 years between 29 and 38, perhaps their fatal flaw was the fact that their their, their pudgy home run hitting uh, drunk was playing center field and that the fact that they didn't have a real one is why they didn't win a World Series then. So uh, I'm starting to think this, we're through the looking glass, Andy. This absence of a center fielder goes much deeper than we even thought when we started this two hours ago. Yeah, because I don't think it's not this hard to pick the best player at any other position for them. You want to try it? Want to take two minutes, speed round? Third base, whatever. Ron Stano, around it. Yeah. Right, yeah, third base. Short stop. I Ernie mean, Banks. that's hard. Shortstop, Ernie Banks. Yeah. Second base, Sanders. Ryan's right? Hand. First base, again, a plethora of Right, first base is an argument choices. because there's good choices, not because there's we can't think of one. Right. How right about catcher? Is, catcher is Gabby Hartnett, probably, right? Or, or Wilson or Contreras. Contreras. Or, you know, Jody, if you want to be. So that's it, though. You cut off the line there. Right field, you mentioned. Yeah, Sammy Sosa. Sosa. I mean, I mean, outfield's weird because you know who played what. Because we talked about Billy Williams hitting the shit out of the ball out of left field. Either one of those, Rick Stevenson, Kai Kai Kyler. You know, um, that's probably it. But whatever. Yeah, Sammy and Billy. I'm good with that. 
center field, and then then we go down this fucking rabbit yeah. hole. We 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 name we've named hundreds hundreds of guys now, but you can't whittle it down to anything close to those other positions. Right. It's remarkable. Yeah. Even more so than I expected. So. Well. You know, and- they're so good. It only took us two hours and thirty-nine minutes to cover one hundred forty-eight years of Cub center fielders. Just wait till Pete Crow Armstrong makes his debut. He will. Rec- he will. Yeah. We'll do another two thirty-nine on Pete. All right. Well, I think we have. Uh, I think we covered it all. I can't imagine we had for Christ's sake. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over.